Hi, my name is Chris Brennan, and you're listening to the Astrology Podcast. This is episode 334, and in it I'm going to present a set of year-ahead horoscope forecasts for each sign of the zodiac for the entire year of 2022. So these are meant to take some of the general transits that we talked about in our year-ahead forecast and personalize them by talking about them in the context of what houses the planets are moving through for each of the rising signs. So I'd recommend listening to the zodiac sign that matches your ascendant or rising sign here, although you can also listen to your sun sign, especially if you're born during the day, or your moon sign, especially if you're born at night. I originally recorded these as video horoscopes for my YouTube channel, and there's some fancy visual elements that you may miss if you only listen to the audio version, so I'd recommend watching them on my channel at youtube.com slash theastrologypodcast. Alright, right now I'm going to read out the timestamps where I start talking about each of the 12 signs of the zodiac during the course of this recording. So Aries begins at 2 minutes. Taurus begins at 19 minutes 10 seconds. Gemini, 38 minutes 8 seconds. Cancer, 57 minutes 29 seconds. Leo, 1 hour 18 minutes 49 seconds. Virgo, 1 hour 44 minutes 30 seconds. Libra, 2 hours, 16 minutes, 1 second. Scorpio, 2 hours, 49 minutes, 48 seconds. Sagittarius, 3 hours, 23 minutes, 47 seconds. Capricorn, 3 hours, 55 minutes, 14 seconds. Aquarius, 4 hours, 28 minutes, 53 seconds. Pisces, 5 hours, 0 minutes, 32 seconds. All right, that's it for this intro, so enjoy the horoscopes and good luck in 2022. All right, Aries, let's jump right into it by looking at your major transits that you have coming up over the course of the next year. All right, so here's a quick bullet point list that shows some of the major transits that I want to talk about today, including the Venus retrograde at the start of the year, Jupiter's transit through Pisces and Aries, Saturn finishing up its transit through Aquarius the eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio, and finally the Mars retrograde in Gemini towards the end of the year. Uh, this very briefly lists some of the dates and time ranges involved in each of those transits, just to give you some context for when I talk about them from this point forward. All right, so let's start first with the Venus retrograde transit. So this actually started towards the later part, especially December of 2021, but it kind of continues on into 2022 uh, the Venus retrograde transit in the sign of Capricorn, which is your 10th house of career, reputation, uh, superiors, and overall life direction. So this is kind of an important transit for you because it's taking place in your career sector. Um, a Venus retrograde sometimes can have to do with renegotiating or rethinking things from the past, where there may be some issues that come up, especially in terms of relationships at work potentially with your superiors or your boss or other people that have a superior position over you. And this could raise some tensions in this area because uh, Venus is actually conjoining Pluto while it's stationing in the sign of Capricorn, or it did conjoin Pluto over the past few weeks. So this can sometimes cause you to rethink or relook at or sometimes revisit things from the past and how they relate to where you're headed in the future when it comes to your, your job and your overall life direction. So since Venus retrograde cycles happen 
in this sign approximately every eight years for you, it could be bringing back some themes or some ideas from eight years ago or eight years prior to that or eight years prior to that. So it's always good when you go through a Venus retrograde to think back to the past and see if any of that is relevant in helping you to fix some of the things that are coming up in the present. All right, so that retrograde period, technically um, Venus stations and the retrograde is over on January 29th, but Venus doesn't fully leave Capricorn until March 6th. And during that time, at some point, Mars is actually going to ingress into the sign of Capricorn later in January, which could either uh, force you to have a little bit extra drive and focus on this area and for the pace of things to pick up a little bit when it comes to your career and your overall life direction, or it could cause you to need to make some decisive action when it comes to choosing what direction you're going to go. And in some instances, this could lead to a separation or a severing when it comes to career matters during this time uh, until Mars gets out of uh, that sign of Capricorn about a month later. So it's good to pay attention to, at the very start of the year, the career sector for you as probably one of the main themes that's going to come up. All right, so moving forward, the other major transit that's happening this year is Jupiter has recently just moved into Pisces and into your 12th house. So the 12th house is typically more of a place of um, sort of retreat, withdrawal, isolation, uh, whereas Jupiter tends to be a planet of growth and optimism and expansion. So for you, during the first part of the year, the first four or five months, part of the theme may be growth by pulling back a little bit and going within. So some people tend to be a little bit more isolated during this time and go to into a period of wrapping things up or sort of pulling back into themselves. And sometimes you kind of need that as you're going towards the end of one cycle, wrapping things up, and preparing to move into the next cycle when Jupiter moves into your ascendant just a few months later. So one of the things to be a little careful about, though, is Jupiter's going to conjoin Neptune uh, in the sign of Pisces in early April. And while this can be kind of like a dreamy and idealistic um, conjunction to happen, which can feel good at the time and can feel like there's a real lack of boundaries or there's a lot of possibilities and things are sort of limitless. Um, it can also have a tendency sometimes to lead towards themes of escapism or just wanting to get away from everything and let go. So you might want to be a little bit careful if you have any tendency towards escapist tendencies to not let them sort of run away or undermine you during this time. You also might want to be careful that um, who you're associating with and that whoever you're associating with has good intentions and is being honest, because one of the tricky things with Jupiter-Neptune uh, combinations can sometimes be dishonesty, um, either with yourself if you're not sort of being honest with yourself, or alternatively, other people who perhaps may not have your best intentions in mind. So that Jupiter-Neptune conjunction goes exact uh, in April. April 12th. And then after that, on May 10th, Jupiter actually ingresses and moves into your home sign of Aries. So this marks uh, the return of Jupiter to your first house and to your ascendant. And the first house has to do with your mind, but also your body. 
And Jupiter is the planet of growth and expansion. So this is going to be a really good period for you in terms of both body matters and mind matters and finding ways in which to sort of improve and grow as a person, both internally as well as externally. So some people focus on health matters during this time and find ways to literally improve their physical health, whereas other people find ways to improve their mental outlook, as well as just the first house is sometimes how a person appears to other people in the world. So sometimes people find ways to improve their physical appearance or improve how they present themselves and find those little things about their uh, outward presentation that they always wish to improve in terms of mannerisms or things like that, and to actually work on these things at that time can actually be very successful. So this is going to be a really great period for you with Jupiter going through your first house for a big chunk of this year, basically from May through late October, and then again it will head in from December 20th until May of 2023. So the good news is that you've got one of the most positive transits of all of the 12 rising signs this year where Jupiter Jupiter will literally be going through your first house. So that's pretty good. Um, the other thing I want to mention here, the next transit, is Saturn is going through the second half of its transit through Aquarius and through your 11th house of friends and groups and alliances. So a Saturn transit through the 11th house can kind of be can sometimes be um, kind of a difficult period for friendship where um, sometimes you find yourself pulling back a little bit from friends or friends find themselves pulling back from you a little bit. Um, this doesn't always have to be bad. It can sometimes just be a testing period where you realize that there's certain friendships that have kind of outstayed their or, or that you've kind of outgrown or that have outstayed their welcome in some way. And maybe you've moved on as a person, or you've found um, different ways in which your own goals are not necessarily aligned with your friend's goals. Sometimes this happens as a result of people getting older and sort of growing out of certain friendships. Other times it has to do with um, friends making choices maybe that you're just not on board with or don't agree with. But either way, this has been a process for you over the past year or two of maybe sometimes finding yourself out of step with your friends and needing to uh, pull back a little bit and consolidate and restructure your general approach to friendship um, as a general topic in your life. So this is going to continue this year. Um, there will be some additional challenges, for example, around April when Mars conjoins Saturn in Aquarius, this could be a very tense period for friendships in which you find yourself being pulled in two different directions uh, because Mars generally likes to go forward and Saturn likes to hold things back. Or Mars can tend to be uh, somewhat hot, whereas Saturn uh, can tend to be a little bit more cold and a little bit more restrictive. So basically, um, this period is going to be kind of tense for friendship, and there could be a potential for some conflict in friendship during this time. Um, there's also some tension between your 11th house of friends and your second house of finances because uh, transiting Saturn is going to be squaring Uranus again this year, and Uranus can indicate sudden uh, changes, sometimes sudden disruptions, either upwards or downwards in this context, within the context of your second house of finances and possessions. 
So this year, there could be a continuation of some sort of theme between uh, tensions between friends and financial matters or money, basically, as a theme, especially in the third quarter of the year when Saturn and Uranus get close to squaring again in uh, September and October. Let's see, what's next? The next transit I wanted to talk about is the eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio, because this actually expands on that theme just a little bit. Um, we're going to see a series of eclipses taking place that are going to bounce back and forth this year between your second house of finances, which is Taurus, and your eighth house of other people's money, uh, mortality, and sometimes debt, or just the themes of other people's money in general. So that is your second house of finances. The main keywords or the main takeaway that you should take from that or the keywords that I have for eclipses is major beginnings and major endings. So this could mean a major beginning when it comes to financial matters in your life and the role that financial matters play in your life, both in terms of your finances as well as other people you know, or in some instances like through your partner, if you have a marriage partner or relationship partner. Um, it can also pertain to restructuring debt and needing to either take on additional debts or, in some instances, bring that to a close by paying off and finishing major debts that have been hanging over your head up to this point. Um, sometimes topics having to do with mortality come up, which can be just a necessary life cycle in terms of not just sometimes thinking about your own mortality and things like you know, getting life insurance or what have you and planning for that as an eventuality, but also sometimes dealing with that as an eventuality in the lives of, of other people around you, and sometimes dealing with things like an inheritance or wills and other things like that can come up when you're having major eighth house transits. So with some of these eclipses taking place in this time, it might be good to think about and pay attention to especially in this time frame, the first set of eclipses will be April and May, and the second set of eclipses there will be October and November. So the last thing I wanted to mention on my list here is that Mars is going to go retrograde in Gemini in the second half of the year. Uh, specifically, it's going to start as soon as Mars ingresses into the sign of Gemini on August 20th, but it's really going to intensify around October 30th when Mars actually stations retrograde in Gemini in your third house of communication, short distance trips, um, education, and also siblings and extended family or relatives. So Mars can be a planet that sometimes speeds things up. So one of the things is it may simply be speeding up activities in this area and for for forcing you to put more focus and attention on this area of your life. Um, in other instances, it can sometimes bring so much excess energy to this area that it can cause conflict and an excess of heat in this area of your life. So sometimes there can be um, tensions with siblings or in communication. You have to be a little bit careful not to say the first thing that comes to mind because you may end up causing conflict or strife as a result of communication is a common theme when it comes to Mars transits through the third house. Um, you also want to be a little bit careful about travel, not to do anything too um, impetuous or risky or sort of like daredevil-y when it comes to a Mars retrograde transit in your third house, because otherwise sometimes that can coincide with difficulties or setbacks like accidents or uh, issues with cars and things of that nature. 
Um, that's going to be kind of a long-term transit, though, in the later half of the year. And since Mars is your ruling planet, it may just be an important turning point where you find yourself focusing a lot on communicating or interacting with third house uh, people in your life, such as siblings, relatives, or even neighbors, and having that be take much more attention and focus than at other times in your life or in other years of your life. So it could not necessarily be a bad thing, but just pay attention to it in order to exercise additional caution, let's say. All right, so I think that's actually it in terms of the major transits I wanted to mention. Here are the dates again one more time, just to give you a, a glimpse at that. And I think that's it in terms of looking at transits. So thanks a lot for watching. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. So as always, this was just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own, which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast. So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over 100 hours of video lectures. Uh, it shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice, and it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, in the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 Electional Astrology Report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of Electional Astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. All right, so that, that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022, and may the stars be ever in your favor. All right, Taurus, let's do this. So let's jump into the transits for 2022. These are the transits we're going to cover. We're going to start with the Venus retrograde transit in Capricorn in your ninth house of education, philosophy, travel, and uh, religion. So here's a diagram that shows the houses of the planets and what they signify. That's your ninth house up there in the top right corner. And here is a circular diagram of your chart with Taurus rising. 
Here's the Venus retrograde, which actually started in December, but it's going to be ongoing through the early part of this year and isn't actually finished in Capricorn until like March. So this is actually a transit to pay attention to over the course of the next first few months of 2022. So it leaves March 6th, it looks like there. All right, so Venus retrogrades can sometimes indicate periods in which we go back and relook at or revise and renegotiate things, especially relationships or agreements that we've made with other people in the so- social spheres. So for you, for you, this may involve going back and um, rethinking your approach to some of these topics that have to do with education, philosophy, your beliefs, how your beliefs are tied in with your relationships and other social structures in your life. And this may be kind of a difficult process because Venus actually stationed retrograde conjoining Pluto uh, late in December. And sometimes Pluto has to do with things like power plays, uh, manipulation, control, and things of that nature, which can be kind of tough to deal with. And there can be an intensity and a difficulty in dredging up past things or things from the past when it comes to this transit. So some of this may be accelerated or accentuated somewhat starting in late January when, even though Venus is stationing direct, Mars will ingress into Capricorn and kind of speed up some of the speed and some of the intensity when it comes to that transit over the course of February and early March. So it may be a good time to go back and rethink some of your beliefs, um, what your views are on the world, and what your overall philosophy of life is in some way. All right, the next transit I want to talk about is Jupiter is in currently, it recently moved into Pisces, which is your 11th house of friends, groups, and alliances. So this can actually be a really great period of growth and development when it comes to groups and friends in your life. There was a little preview of this transit for a little bit last year um, during the late spring of 2021, when Jupiter just briefly dipped into the sign of Pisces for a couple of months around May and June. So you would have had a little preview of what this larger transit should be about for the first four months of 2022. So generally speaking, uh, Jupiter transits through the 11th house um, just have to do with growth and expansion when it comes to friends. So it can be about making new friends, building new alliances, sometimes joining uh, social groups or other clubs and finding n- ways to network with other people who are like-minded or people that support you in some way. So you do have to be a little bit careful because around April, Jupiter will conjoin the planet Neptune, which can be a planet that um, breaks down boundaries and um, gives you a greater sense of idealism and sometimes like otherworldliness in some ways. But the downsides is that sometimes Neptune can be kind of illusory or sometimes even kind of deceptive. So you might want to be a little bit careful here as you're building new friends and creating new friend groups that you don't sort of get carried away or you don't sort of walk into something that isn't what it seems at first, whether that has to do with a group or a person or what have you. Just be careful to keep maybe one foot on the ground if the other foot is or if your head is in the clouds or or what have you, whatever the analogy is. So that transit comes to kind of an end by the time we get to May, because Jupiter is actually going to leave your 11th house and it's going to go into 
the sign of Aries, which is actually your 12th house of seclusion and isolation. So this may begin a period where, uh, whereas previously for the, the first four or five months of the year, you were feeling more social, once Jupiter moves into your 12th house, uh, this may be a period in which you decide to pull back a little bit and decide to focus on yourself for a period of time. Um, sometimes this can be a period where people can become very internal, go into a period of seclusion, um, but sometimes that can be really helpful and really healing, both um, not just physically, but also sometimes mentally or psychologically or even spiritually in some ways. So sometimes people seek refuge in places of isolation um, for this type of healing or for this type of internal introspection, and that can be something to think about. Uh, Jupiter going through the 12th house is also the last of the 12 houses, so in some ways it's sort of preparing you to wrap up one 12-year cycle and preparing you to start a new 12-year cycle once Jupiter goes into Taurus next year in 2023. So there may be some theme of growth through endings or through bringing things to completion that have run their full cycle or run their full course. So this transit's taking place mostly in the second half of the year, uh, roughly from May 10th until October 28th, and then it comes back briefly December 20th through May 23rd. All right, so the next transit I wanted to talk about is Saturn is making its way through the second half of Aquarius and through the second half of your 10th house of career. So there is Aquarius near 10th house up in the top part of the chart. So Saturn has been there for over a year now, I think like a year and a half, making its way through Aquarius. And um, Aquarius is your 10th house of career, reputation, and overall life direction. So Saturn going through this house may indicate a period of restructuring when it comes to what your goals and what your overall direction is career-wise. Sometimes this can indicate a period of setbacks or uh, difficulties, sometimes surmountable difficulties that come up. And if they don't stop you and if you're able to overcome them, then you end up emerging from that period stronger when it comes to some of your career goals. But in other instances, Saturn can sometimes um, give you sort of a stop sign and indicate a period where you've been proceeding down a certain path, but then all of a sudden you can't proceed further, and Saturn kind of tells you, no, that you, you can't continue going down that specific path, you have to go another direction. So this can be a little bit frustrating or annoying at the time because one, um, it's not always clear at the time whether this is a full-on uh, Saturn saying no type situation, or whether um, this is one of those surmountable difficulties type situations. And unfortunately, you won't always know until basically after it's over. But it's good to keep both possibilities in mind, and um, you know, try to identify which of those two scenarios it is as you're going through it, and you know, be prepared to walk away from something if you have to. But if you don't, be prepared to bunker down and sort of fight for the long haul, and hopefully you will be uh, victorious or successful in the end. All right, so um, what's coming next? After Saturn going through your, your – so this is the last year of that or the last half of the year because by um, early 
Saturn is going to leave Aquarius by March of 2023. So that transit's going to be over after this year. So this is the last of Saturn in your 10th house of career. Now, there may be some specific obstacles that come up where some of the obstacles you're encountering may be intensified when Mars conjoins Saturn around April 4th. This is kind of a tricky transit that will build up and then fade away before and after that time frame of April 4th. So you might want to watch out for it. It can be kind of frustrating because Mars usually wants to speed things up and excite action, whereas Saturn tends to slow things down and hold them back. So it may be experienced as a period of great tensions where you're sort of pulled in two different directions career-wise, and um, it can be hard to reconcile those two different different impulses, whether they're coming from within you or whether they're coming from some external source that's kind of pushing on you in both of those ways. Um, additionally, you have an ongoing transit that's happening where Saturn is squaring Uranus off and on. Uh, it has been all of 2021, but that's going to continue into 2022. So I want to mention that because Uranus transiting through your first house is generally a transit that has to do with making sudden and radical changes when it comes to your personality and your overall life direction. And somehow some of those changes within your first house and your sense of self and mind and body, um, some of those radical changes are uh, causing tensions or coming into some sort of conflict with some of your career and public reputation and overall life direction 10th house themes. So especially in the third quarter of this year, when the Saturn Uranus square gets exact or get, gets close to exact again, you could see some of those tensions come to the forefront again, uh, where it'll sort of like be a period of stress testing where if there are any major stress or um, sort of fractures in the foundation of your life in those two areas of either self or career, then this could be a period in which um, things become much more unstable when you go through a period of testing. Whereas if those structures are on a more solid, solid foundation, while you may encounter some surmountable difficulties, in the end, you'll come through it unscathed for the most part even if just a little bit rattled. All right. So the next thing I wanted to mention is actually pretty major, and this is that the Eclipse series has mo recently moved into the signs of Taurus and Scorpio, which is your first house, seventh house axis of self versus relationships. So what I think this is about is that some of the major some of the major changes that you've experienced over the past few years with with Uranus transiting through your first house and causing some major radical shifts in terms of your personality and in terms of your overall outlook on life, um, sometimes forcing you to be a little bit more rebellious or a little bit more unpredictable, some of that's going to get accelerated a little bit here with this transit of uh, the eclipses hitting the first house. Because my keyword for eclipses is great beginnings and great endings. So here, the great beginnings and great endings are going to focus on your first house of self and your seventh house of other people and especially relationships in your life. So this is usually a period where for about a year or two, a year and a half, a person will sort of bounce back and forth trying to find the right balance between uh, themselves and doing what's right for them and establishing what their own motivations and needs are in life versus 
figuring out what the place is and what the role is of other people in their life and what sort of energy they should put towards relationships. So sometimes seventh house eclipses can be a major period of beginnings, new new beginnings for relationships. So it could mark a significant turning point and new beginning or new relationship in your life. Other times, if there's a significant relationship already in your life, it can indicate either a major turning point and the end of a major chapter in that relationship. Or in some instances, it can indicate for relationships that have neared the end of their life cycle that it's kind of time to wind it down and perhaps end that relationship. So that's something you're going to be paying a lot more attention to over the course of this year during the course of those four eclipses. Here's a graphic that shows dates. The first set of eclipses is in April and May, and then the second set is in late October and early November. So figuring out how to balance self versus others and your needs versus the needs of your partner or any close one-on-one relationships that you have in your life is going to be one of the major dominant themes of 2022 for those with Taurus rising. All right. And finally, the last transit I needed to mention is Mars is going to go retrograde in Gemini in your second house of finances, possessions, and assets. So here is the graph again, finances, possessions, and income. So Mars retrogrades uh, this is going to start in August, basically, as soon as Mars ingresses into Gemini on August 20th, but it's really going to speed up and intensify on o- October 30th, which is when Mars will slow down and station in that specific uh, spot in your second house of finances. So sometimes this can speed up and force you to put more attention towards uh, things like making money and what it takes for you to bring in an income. So it can just indicate a period of being very busy and things being very hectic in that area of your life, where for some reason there's more stress involved and there's more of a quickness or a a heightening of the pace of things when it comes to that area of your life. Um, In other instances, sometimes, especially for those of you with day charts or if this is a more difficult area in your birth chart, it may be an, an area where you have some uh, conflict or some sort of uh, stress that really comes up at this time when it comes to financial matters. So Mars can sometimes indicate severing or separating. So it might be good to be careful with finances during this time. One of the indications in a natal chart when somebody has Mars in the second can be spending money too quickly or too impulsively and then regretting it afterwards. Another instance of a downside to a Mars transit can sometimes be um, losses or uh, Mars traditionally was associated with theft. So it's a good period to be a little bit more careful when it comes to your finances and to try to think things out a little bit ahead of time so as to avoid any potential negative downsides or uh, other things like that when it could come to financial matters during the course of that retrograde transit. Uh, but that is what it should primarily relate to is just financial matters for you during this time. So I think that's the only that's the other that's pretty much all the major things I wanted to talk about um, during the course of this video. I'm just looking through the rest of my graphs, but that's pretty much the broad outlines of 2022 for those of you that have, especially Taurus rising in terms of the transits that the planets will take through each of your 12 houses. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. 
So as always, this is just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own, which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast. So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over 100 hours of video lectures. Uh, it shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice. And it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, in the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 Electional Astrology Report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of Electional Astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. All right, so that, that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022, and may the stars be ever in your favor. All right, Gemini, let's do this. Let's jump into your transits for 2022. So I want to start off by talking about the Venus retrograde and Capricorn transit in your eighth house of shared resources, other people's money, sometimes it has to do with things like mortality, um, and generally just that which belongs to others, or sometimes things like inheritance. So a Venus retrograde in this sign can be an okay transit um, depending on if you have a day or night chart. So if you have a night chart, it might be a little bit more positive. It could indicate a sudden windfall of money or some uh, your partner suddenly getting a raise or something like that. If you have a day chart, it might be a little bit less positive of a transit, especially given that Venus stationed retrograde conjunct Pluto in December and will conjoin it a third time in the middle or early part of March. So Venus conjunct Pluto transits can be a little bit tense. It can usually have to do with things like power plays or um, struggles over something. Since we're talking about the eighth house, it could be struggles over money or wealth or things related to that. Um, it may be bringing up some things from the past from you for you or dredging up some difficult things from the past, especially since Venus goes retrograde in this spot of the zodiac every eight years, 
It could be something from eight years ago or 16 years ago or 24 years ago or so on and so forth, depending on how old you are. But there could be some sort of connection between this time period and what's happening now and the past. So sometimes dredging up the past and sort of dealing with it or confronting it in some way can be one of the major themes. So that's going to be going on through uh, especially January. It speeds up a little bit towards the uh, later part of January when Mars ingresses into Capricorn and brings a little bit more attention to that sign all the way through until early March. Uh, when eventually Mars and Venus depart from Capricorn and sort of complete that transit. So that's the early part of the year, the first three months, basically, two or three months. The next transit I wanted to talk about is Jupiter moving into Pisces, which is your 10th house of career, work, profession, and overall life direction. So this is probably one of the most positive transits that you have coming up this year, because Jupiter is moving into such a prominent spot in your chart. So Jupiter has to do with growth and expansion and things of that nature, as well as uh, the confirmation or affirmation of good things. So this could indicate uh, some growth and expansion when it comes to your career and overall life direction, like getting a new job or achieving some career goal that you've had your mind set to for a number of years now. It can also be about starting new beginnings and laying a solid foundation in that area of your life for something that will take you forward many years into the future. So it's generally a pretty good transit. Um, the only thing that's a little bit a little bit tricky is that Jupiter will be conjoining Neptune in early April, and Neptune can sometimes bring um, illusions or some sort of sense of things not being quite what they seem when it comes to this area of your life. So there could be some areas where you want to be a little bit careful to keep yourself somewhat grounded, even though that's not going to be your your tendency, or, or you're going to have a tendency to not want to do that during this time. But uh, you want to be on the eye out, keep an eye out for things that are a little bit too good to be true. Like if somebody offers a job, and then later it turns out that it is not what it seemed. So I'm not saying that's a given, because you definitely don't want to overlook any potentially great opportunities during this time, but it might just pay off to be a little bit more careful or a little bit more skeptical than you might be inclined to be at first during this transit, especially during early April. But otherwise, it can be a great transit for creative matters and um, yeah, just cr creativity, philosophy, and integrating themes of um, expansiveness and boundlessness and even um, inspiration, like philosophical or, or sort of spiritual inspiration into one's work in a positive or constructive fashion can be a really positive aspect of, of such a transit. So that's one of the more positive ones, I think, for you this year, and that's going to last from the very beginning of 2022 through early May. Um, after that, the next transit I wanted to talk about is that Jupiter is going to move into Aries on May 10th, and Aries is your 11th house of friends and groups and alliances and hopes. So this is going to be a period of growth and expansion when it comes to your uh, friend circle, basically, and this would be a great period when Jupiter moves into Aries to try to make some new friends to expand the role of groups and activities and social movements in your life, perhaps join a club or join some sort of 
social network of like-minded individuals. And if you do that, I think you'll find yourself building a lot of really good, uh, productive, and um, supportive connections with the other like-minded individuals over the course of this year, off and on, especially during the second and third quarters of 2022. Um, although this transit will actually come back a little bit in 2023, I believe, because it's not fully over. Yeah, yeah. Jupiter in Aries, December 20th through May 20th, May 2023. So some of this is sort of themes that will get going a little bit this year in the second and third quarters, but will then come back a little bit uh, early next year as well in terms of growth and expansion when it comes to friends and groups. All right. Um, so that's the Jupiter transits this year, which is like the growth and expansion side of things. The other side of the coin is the Saturn transits, where we have Saturn going through the second half of its transit of Aquarius, which is your ninth house of travel, uh, foreign matters, education, and religion. So Saturn transits can be sort of the opposite of Jupiter transits, and they, they can be more restrictive, and they can indicate a period of consolidation. So a period of consolidation and um, trying to create a more stable foundation, but sometimes by removing certain things in your life or rejecting certain things in your life, or in some instances, Saturn can say no to certain things in your life during this, this point in time. So that may be running into some obstacles or some roadblocks when it comes to your education or when it comes to your ability to travel or um, sort of seek things outside of your own comfort zone or your own culture or what have you. Um, it can also be a period sometimes of testing when it comes to a person's philosophy and uh, religion, where in some instances you can go through a period of more skepticism or rejecting things, or in some instances being rejected from some sort of group in association with that. So one of the things that's often not clear about Saturn transits is in some instances it will bring up a surmountable difficulty in this area of your life where you'll have to sort of overcome some obstacle that comes up that gives you a setback, but once you do, it becomes sort of a cliche, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger type scenario. But there's another scenario where you just reach a stop sign and life tells you that you cannot proceed further in this direction when it comes to that topic or that area of your life, in which case you just end up having to pick a new path to go completely. So for you, you've already been experiencing this transit of Saturn through Aquarius for almost two years now. Saturn first dipped into Aquarius in the second quarter of 2020, and then it fully went into Aquarius, I believe, in like December of 2020 of last year. So you've already experienced the first half of this transit and should have a pretty good idea of what topics are coming up uh, when it comes to this transit. So most of it should just be the next, the second half of it, and sort of following through and bringing some of that to completion between now and early 2023 when Saturn moves into Pisces and into your 10th house of career. But it's good to just sort of get things in order. And one of the things that might be tricky is that there's going to be um, a bit of an acceleration of this transit around April because Mars is actually going to conjoin Saturn again this year, which it did two years ago at the very start of the transit. Um, but 
this conjunction will be um, a little bit tense because Mars tends to speed things up, whereas Saturn tends to slow things down. And the end result of that can just be a feeling of of tension, like you're stuck in the middle of something and you're being pulled in two different directions, so that something eventually has to give. So that feeling of tension is something that you might feel around the time of that um, that conjunction between Mars and Saturn, but it's kind of weird because it's taking place at the same time as that otherwise very lovely, kind of idealistic, but maybe illusory Jupiter-Neptune transit that's also happening in early April. So there's some weird conflicting energies there um, that are going on. Um, at the same time, Saturn is going to be squaring Uranus again with Uranus transiting through your 12th house. And that really comes up in September and October especially, but that's tied in with our next transit, which is the set of eclipses. So maybe it's time to move on to that. So this year, you're going to have eclipses bouncing back and forth between Taurus and Scorpio, which are your 12th and 6th houses. So the 12th and 6th houses, generally speaking, have to do with uh, physical and mental health and vitality and some of the things that it takes in order to sort of maintain health in those two areas of our life. So when it comes to sixth house transits, sometimes that can mean things like physical vitality and going to the gym and just what it takes in order to um, keep your body in good working condition. So sometimes paying attention to your physical health during this time or taking steps to actually improve it and kind of ward off or avoid future health issues can be a really good thing to do when it comes to physical things like you know going to the doctor and getting a checkup, making sure everything's in good working order. And if it's not, then focusing on doing what you can to fix it. Those are good sixth house themes. When it comes to the 12th house, the 12th house can sometimes have more to do with um, focusing on our mental health and doing sort of the same thing, but doing a sort of internal checkup to see if there's anything that you haven't been addressing where you have issues that are either undermining you or where you're sort of working against yourself in some way that might not be healthy. So sometimes uh, good mental health checkups can be things like you know seeing a therapist or going in uh, to talk with somebody in order to work out some of your own internal conflicts and internal things that you're still processing as we all do. So the the eclipses taking place between these two signs, my major keywords for eclipses are great beginnings and great endings. So you're going to see some great beginnings and great endings when it comes to these this area of your life as these eclipses bounce back and forth in six-month increments. One of the other topics that sometimes comes up with the sixth house has to do with one's work. And it's kind of interesting how this transit is coinciding a little bit with your Jupiter transit through the 10th house of career. So you may see some major beginnings or endings when it comes to your work when you have some of these eclipses in Scorpio a couple of times this year and things that are happening in terms of starting or ending major jobs during that time. Or in other instances, they can just be major developments or new chapters when it comes to a current long-term job that you've had for a while, like moving up or down in a position. Or in some instances, if you're in the role of a superior, it can be uh, have starting new relationships or having new people that come in that work um, underneath you in some sort of subordinate role. 
All right. So that's kind of the eclipses that are bouncing back and forth. There may be some tensions there with Uranus transiting, squaring Saturn in your ninth house of education and philosophy, and some sort of tensions between um, changes in mental health and changes in your overall philosophy of life or your education. Um, but that's probably a little bit too much to get into. And I want to move on to our last transit, which is the Mars retrograde that's going to take place in the third and fourth quarter of this year. So this is really going to begin around August 20th when Mars ingresses into the sign of Aries, and it's going to intensify on October 30th when Mars is going to uh, when Mars ingresses, sorry, into the sign of Gemini, which is your first house. And on October 30th, Mars is going to turn around and do a U-turn and station in the sky and start moving backwards. So Mars going retrograde in your first house, your first house has to do with your body uh, and your mind. So the first house has to do with um, both physical health as well as mental health, but also a person's appearance and personality and character. So a Mars transit through the first house can sometimes just indicate a period in which you have a greater sense of energy and vitality and just sort of life force that's suddenly um, making you much more energetic and much more focused on getting things done and getting things done quickly, because Mars tends to speed things up and it tends to increase the pace of things very rapidly. Um but one of the things you want to be careful about during this time is that Mars can sometimes give us too much energy, which can sometimes boil over into um, aggressiveness or impetuousness or impulsiveness or irritability. So it could be a period in which you find yourself being much more irritable and quick to anger uh, compared to other times in your life. And that's something you want to pay attention to and be careful about, because in some instances that could lead to uh, conflict or strife or even um, uh, injuries or accidents if you do something overly impulsive or if you know you're speeding and you drive too fast one day and you get in an accident or something like that, you want to be a little bit careful with Mars energy because that has a tendency to push things a little bit too far and a little bit too fast. So exercising greater caution and moderation during this time would probably be a good piece of advice. And as long as you take that on board, you should be able to navigate that transit relatively constructively um, as long as you're careful. So let's see if there's any other transits that I really meant to touch on here, but I think that actually might be it in terms of those being some of the major themes that I really wanted to touch on and wanted to um bring to your attention just in terms of specific topics and specific areas of your life that are going to be more active over the course of the next 12 months. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. So as always, this was just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own, 
which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast. So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over 100 hours of video lectures. Uh, it shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice, and it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, in the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 electional astrology report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of electional astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. All right, so that, that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022, and may the stars be ever in your favor. All right, Cancer, let's look at your astrological transits for 2022. So I want to, here's a bullet point list that lists all the main points I want to talk about during the course of this forecast. I want to start by talking about the Venus retrograding Capricorn, which is taking place in your seventh house of relationships and partnership. So this transit already started towards the end of last year, especially in December of 2021. However, it's going to continue on into the first two or three months of this year before Venus eventually leaves Capricorn and the transit is over entirely. So this transit is important because it's taking place in your seventh house of relationships. It may be a little bit tricky because, especially at first, Venus stationed retrograde conjunct the planet Pluto. And sometimes Pluto can indicate things like power plays or manipulation or situations that involve control. So because this is taking place in your seventh house of relationships, this may be an important turning point for you when it comes to your personal or romantic or otherwise one-on-one -on -one relationships with other people that are very close in your life. So um, sometimes this re involves revisiting or thinking back to the past and sort of dredging up past issues in order to air them out and then eventually be able to move forward with a clean slate. Um, in other instances, it can indicate just an important turning point in terms of renegotiating the nature of a relationship and making a decision about whether you want to stay in a relationship and take it forward, or alternatively, if you um, want to leave a relationship and you found that some of the challenges have become too much to deal with. So some of this is going to become 
even more important um, during the time frame around late January, when Mars will actually move into the sign of Capricorn and into your seventh house for about a month. And at that point, it's going to pick up the the pace of things or pick up the speed of things and um, probably require you to make some decisive actions when it comes to choosing what to do when it comes to your relationships and the types of people that you have in your life. So in some instances, this may need, need to lead to um, Mars can indicate severing or separation, and so it could indicate the end of a relationship. Um, but on the other hand, it could just indicate needing to make some important changes and maybe cut certain things out of the relationship that are no longer serving you or are no longer okay. So that's really taking place in the first quarter of the year. Um, but other than that, the next transit I wanted to touch on is Jupiter uh, has recently ingressed into Pisces and into your ninth house of uh, travel, education, religion, philosophy and other related things. So there should be a period of growth and expansion when it comes to some of those topics in your life over the course of the first four or five months of 2022, because Jupiter is going to stay in Pisces um, all the way until about May 10th. So here's that transit of Jupiter going through your ninth house. So uh, growth and expansion when it comes to things, this can indicate a period where um, it can be a great idea to learn new things or start a new course of study because the ninth house is the place of education. Um, it can also be a good period uh, to take normally under normal circumstances to take a trip or to otherwise expand one's mind when it comes to exposing oneself to foreign cultures or just things that are different compared to where you grew up or what your initial default surroundings were culturally or just in terms of where you started in life. Um, obviously, travel can be a little tricky with COVID and everything else, but one of the things that's interesting about this transit is that Jupiter is actually conjoining Neptune uh, at the beginning of April in the sign of Pisces, and Neptune can be kind of an illusory um, body in astrology, which can indicate illusions, which can be either positive or negative. It can be positive in the sense that it can create um, the sense that you are without boundaries or that you're actually there somewhere without actually being there physically. So um, one of the ways that this is coming up is with things like virtual reality right now. So maybe it's a good time to take a trip using virtual reality or connecting with other people for educational purposes using something like that. The downside is that Neptune can sometimes be deceptive and can lead to false illusions where, for example, you could get involved in something that is not what it seems at first. And especially if something is too good to be true, sometimes that indicates that it is, but it's not until you get to the other side of this transit that you're going to be able to look back and see why that thing wasn't really all it was cracked up to be. So one thing that makes me think of is, is sort of being careful about any new philosophical or religious system or belief that you get into during this time, because um, while it may expand your horizons in some ways, uh, you have to be a little bit careful that um, it doesn't sort of lead you into something that you weren't prepared for or that was not what was advertised at first. It might be a potential downfall that you might want to pay attention to for that transit. 
which should otherwise be relatively positive. All right, so that transit's going to zip by after the first four or five months. And starting on May 10th, Jupiter is actually going to ingress into Aries, which is your 10th house of career. So the planet of growth and expansion is going to move into your 10th house of career. And that can be a great period for growth when it comes to your career and either um, starting down a path that will eventually lead to career success, or potentially if you've been working towards something for a long period of time, achieving a certain amount of career success in your goals during this time period. So this transit is lasting for a good chunk of the later part of this year, essentially from May 10th through October 28th, and then it uh, retrogrades out and it comes back December 20th through May 23rd. So this could be a period in which you get a promotion at work, in which you get along better with your superiors, um, in which you ha achieve some sort of fame or success or notoriety, since the 10th house is also the place of public reputation in a person's chart. Uh, so generally speaking, it's just a positive period for you career-wise in 2023 seems to be one of the most positive transits that you're having, especially for those of you that were born with uh, day charts, where Jupiter is more positive. Um, all right, so that's what I wanted to say about that. The next transit I want to touch on is Jupiter, or, or sorry, Saturn, is moving through the second half of Aquarius through your eighth house. So Saturn has been moving through this uh, sign through your eighth house for almost two years now, off and on, but definitely over the past um, 12 months, it's been firmly in Aquarius. And Aquarius is the sign uh, or the eighth house for you. And the eighth house generally has to do with issues pertaining to other people's money. And that can indicate things like inheritance, debt, the partner's finances, if you're married or have a close business partnership. Um, the eighth house can also have to do with issues pertaining to mortality and longevity, and starting to think about either your own mortality or the mortality of those around you, and different topics related to that, like inheritance, wills, and things of that nature. Now, sometimes Saturn can indicate an obstacle or a setback that comes up in this area of your life. So if it's a financial matter, it can be an issue where um, money is a little bit tighter than it, it was previously, or your partner um, loses a job or, or has some sort of setback so that their earning potential is decreased for a period of time. So the good news is that we're getting towards the end of this transit, and it's basically just the rest of 2022, and then this Saturn transit is over by, I believe, March of 2023, when Saturn moves into Pisces and departs from your eighth house. So it can be a good period for just restructuring one's shared finances, as well as one's relationship to shared resources or other eighth house topics. Um, there is going to be a little bit of a acute period of some of the challenges increasing when Mars goes into Aquarius and eventually conjoins Saturn at the beginning of April. So Mars conjunct Saturn April 4th and 5th, and the period there's sort of a buildup period that lasts for a little bit before that, um, starting in March, as soon as Mars moves into Aquarius on March 6th. And it doesn't end until Mars eventually departs from Aquarius 
uh, about a month or so later. Let's see, what does it go into Pisces? It's not listed here. All right, that's okay. Um, but the the basic thing is just that it can uh, create a more acute sense of some of the financial or other eighth house issues that were already ongoing due, due to that Saturn transit. Because one of the things that Mars does is it speeds things up and makes them move quicker so that the pace of events moves more fast. So this could just indicate a period in which you're having to put a lot more energy and effort into financial matters during this time. And you may feel like you're being pulled or sort of torn in two different directions, which can create an increased sense of just like tension and stress in this period or this area of your life for a relatively short period of time of like a month or two. Um, in the worst case scenario, sometimes Mars can indicate severing or separation. So it might be a period in which you want to be careful not to take any risky financial um, moves during this time, because it could be a period in which there is a financial loss. Or alternatively, sometimes Mars is also associated with um, theft and things that are taken from, from you. So it would be good to be careful about um, being involved with any characters that could be underhanded or kind of shady or something like that in terms of the potential for financial loss during that transit. All right, so that's the Mars transit of the conjunction in Aquarius. Saturn is also going to be squaring Uranus in your 11th house of friends and groups and alliances, especially during the third quarter of this year. But that kind of takes me into the next transit I wanted to mention, which is the eclipses, which are going to be happening in Taurus and Scorpio, which are your 11th and 5th houses in your chart. So the 11th house generally has to do with friends, groups, alliances, and hopes and wishes, whereas the fifth house is traditionally associated with things like children and procreation, but also creativity, uh, pleasure, fun and games, as well as um, sex is one of the topics associated with the fifth house. So the eclipses are going to bounce back and forth between those two houses of your chart in six-month six increments. The first set is going to happen in late April and early May, and the second uh, set of eclipses will take place in those same signs, October 25th and November 8th. So my keyword for eclipses is that they usually indicate great beginnings and great endings in the areas of your life that they fall. So for you, this is going to be a period of great beginnings and great endings when it comes to friends, groups, and alliances, as well as fifth house topics having to do with uh, creativity, uh, children potentially, or the potential to have children, or in some instances, other people's children. And it can also relate to sex and sexuality and great beginnings and endings when it comes to some of the chapters in your life pertaining to that topic. So this could indicate a period of making new friends or in which you have the ending of some friendships but the beginning of others. It can also be a period in which uh, some casual romantic relationships become more significant. Um, for some people, if you're thinking about having children, this can be a period in which uh, people end up having kids or the topic of children becomes much more important and much more significant in your life than it was previously when you start seeing eclipses in the fifth house. Um, yeah, but those, those are some of the major topics. 
Uh, I did want to point out that the square between Saturn and Uranus, which we've been experiencing mostly over the course of 2021, there were three exact squares, but there's going to be one more close square that almost goes exact between Saturn and Uranus in the third quarter of 2021, uh, 2022. And this may indicate some tension between uh, your friends and shared finances or resources. So this could indicate some sort of conflict or some sort of tension in terms of like uh, loaning friends money or otherwise um, having financial dealings with friends in some ways could become a little bit tricky this year with that Saturn-Uranus square. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't have uh, friendships or shouldn't have financial dealings with friends. But it just indicates that there could be some unexpected surprises or unexpected difficulties that arise um, at some point as a result of those connections between those two houses. So it's something to sort of pay attention to and watch out for in the event that there's any potential difficulties that you could avert before they come up. All right. So the last thing that I wanted to mention is the Mars retrograde in Gemini, which is really going to start. As soon as Mars goes into Gemini on August 20th and moves into your 12th house, but it's going to really peak and intensify starting on October 30th when Mars slows down and stations retrograde in that sign. So this is the transit Mars through Gemini in your 12th house. The 12th house is one of the more trickier, difficult houses. Um, sometimes it has to do with introspection and isolation, but other times it can have to do with um, people that you don't get along with or people that are at cross work at cross purposes to yourself. So traditionally this was the the twelfth house is associated with enemies. So sometimes a Mars transit through the twelfth house can indicate a period in which you have um, greater conflict or the greater energy exchange with people that you don't get along with in your life for some reason. So it's good to pay attention to that. And if there's any potential for conflict, to sort of address it as carefully as you can, because one of the issues with Mars is that Mars can be a little bit impulsive. And sometimes um, when we do things impulsively without thinking and without planning it out, sometimes that can create more conflict with others than is necessary and sometimes lead to a falling out or creating a new enemy where you did, wouldn't have had one before if you just slow down and calm down and sort of thought things through. On the other hand, sometimes conflict is necessary and sometimes um, having to stand up for yourself or stand up against somebody who is, let's say, bullying you or is in some ways undermining you can be a necessary thing to do occasionally. And that could be something that comes up when Mars stations retrograde in late October, but you will see a buildup to it and sort of a precursor as soon as Mars goes into Gemini um, in August. Uh, one other issue that sometimes comes up with Mars is, or, or 12th house transits, can be undermining oneself. So that's again um, why it's important sometimes to slow down and and sort of think things out a little bit strategically because Mars usually um, is so fiery that it kind of heats things up and causes you to just shoot from the hip and ask questions later. 
but that's probably the thing, the single most important thing that can get you into trouble during a Mars transit. So see if you can slow down, take a breath, and um, you know, sleep on it, and then wake up the next morning. And if you still feel the same way, then it might be necessary to take action. But if your thoughts have changed overnight, then you know maybe it's not as important as it seemed at first. So I think that's it in terms of the major transits that I wanted to cover uh, during the course of this forecast. Uh, yeah, I covered the Mars retrograde, went through the houses, we did most of the planetary diagrams and all of that jazz. So I think that is it for this forecast. So uh, thanks a lot for watching. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. So as always, this was just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own, which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast. So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over 100 hours of video lectures. Uh, it shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice. And it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, in the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 Electional Astrology Report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of Electional Astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. All right, so that, that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022, and may the stars be ever in your favor. All right, Leo, let's get into it by looking at your transits for 2022. So here's an image that depicts where the planets will start at the beginning of the year and how far through the signs of the zodiac they'll end up by the end of the year. So the main transits I want to talk about are outlined on this slide, and we're going to start with the Venus retrograde in Capricorn in your sixth house of work and health, because even though that transit uh, started late last year in December, uh, it's going to continue on and still be relevant into early March as long as 
Venus is still transiting through Capricorn. So here's another slide that lists the dates and timeframes of some of the transits that I'm going to talk about. So you can refer back to that later in case you need a refresher, and so I don't have to repeat the dates involved each time. All right, so uh, very first transit, Venus recently went retrograde and is about halfway through its retrograde cycle uh, in your sixth house of work and health in the sign of Capricorn. Uh, here's a diagram that shows the significations of the sixth house, especially from a traditional standpoint. So work and health are the two primary themes that come up usually when we get sixth house transits. So a Venus retrograde usually um, has us revisit and sometimes revise social relationships in the area of the chart that it's transiting. So for you, this could relate to uh, things happening in your workplace, things happening with subordinates if you find yourself in a managerial position, um, something about renegotiating some of the relationships that you have in the workplace and with those around you at work. So sometimes this can bring up things that happened or it can dredge up things from the past that happened eight years ago, since Venus goes retrograde in this sign of the zodiac approximately every eight years. So you can think back eight years or 16 years or 24 years or so on and so forth, depending on how old you are. And sometimes some of those themes will be relevant now that have happened in those past increments. So because Venus went retrograde conjunct Pluto at the start of this cycle, it may have started as a bit tricky. Um, Venus-Pluto conjunctions can have to do with uh, power plays or power struggles. So for you, that could be some sort of power struggle happening in the workplace or with some sort of workplace relationship. Um, it can also have to do not just with the workplace, but also with health matters and with things related to your body. So it may be that there's some um, health things that you have to revisit that perhaps you initiated or were instituted or became habits in the past, but for some reason now you have to go back and look at some of those habits and see if they're really working for you or if there's something that's holding you back or causing problems that might be worth revising or revisiting at this time. So some of this transit is going to accelerate uh, when Mars goes into Capricorn in late January, because then it's going to join up with Venus. And when Mars goes into a sign that can have a tendency to speed things up, to add some fieriness to that area of our life, um, but also to sometimes um, make things a little bit more acute. So if there were any health issues that the Venus retrograde was starting to, to make you think about sort of slowly or gradually, um, the Mars ingress into Capricorn in late January could make some of those things a little bit more acute and a little bit more pressing so that you need to take decisive action. So if there's something comes, that comes up, don't put it off, but instead try to address it. So those same, uh, that same advice also applies if we're talking about sixth house workplace things. If there's some sort of workplace issue, then it's going to be more pressing to address starting in late January and going through until early March, uh, which is when Mars finally will depart from Capricorn along with Venus on the same day on March 6. So that is the first transit that I wanted to mention. The second transit to move to something more pop positive is 
Jupiter is going to ingress or has recently ingressed into Pisces and into your eighth house of other people's money, finances, inheritance, uh, sometimes debt. But generally speaking, Jupiter into the eighth house is usually a relatively positive transit for financial matters. And it could indicate some sort of sudden windfall coming from other people around you or other people in your life. So uh, sometimes this can be things like an unexpected um, bonus at work, uh, a tax break, or some sort of major tax refund. Um, since it's the eighth house, since the eighth is the second from the seventh house of partners, sometimes it can be just that your partner gets a raise or suddenly has. Um, an excess of income that was new or it was a surprise at this point. Um, one thing you want to be a little bit careful about is that in early April, Jupiter is going to conjoin Neptune in Pisces, which can sometimes be bring more of an illusory element to transits where sometimes something can seem too good to be true. And usually when it seems that way, it usually is. So that doesn't necessarily have to be a complete deal breaker, but it might be a good idea to be careful about entering into financial uh, agreements at this time and just make sure that everything is above board and there's no instances where you're potentially being led astray financially by somebody else. But as long as you're careful, it should be all right. That's just a piece of advice I wanted to give for those of you because Neptune transits can be a little bit dicey sometimes in terms of honesty and openness, or the potential, at least in the worst case scenario, for deception. Uh, but otherwise, that's a relatively positive uh, financial transit. Um, so moving on, that Jupiter transit through Pisces is only really going to last for the first four months of 2022. And eventually, starting in May, Jupiter is going to move into your ninth house of religion, education, beliefs, philosophy, travel, and interaction with foreign things, foreign cultures, and foreign people. So this can be a really great transit to um, start learning something new and to expand your horizons when it comes to just your not just your beliefs and your philosophy, but also your um, exposure to the world and your exposure to things that are different compared to what you grew up with, whatever your default setting is based on where you came from. So some people travel during this time, or they learn a new language, or they start uh, a new educational program, and something that will eventually build up and culminate once Jupiter later gets to your 10th house next year, which is the 10th house of career. So the ninth house is usually preparatory, and it builds up to and gives you the necessary training to then achieve something once Jupiter goes into your 10th house. That's a terrible looking arrow that I just attempted to draw there, so I'm going to erase that. Um, so yeah, try to expand your horizons in terms of philosophy and education. Um, obviously, travel is kind of difficult during this time with the pandemic and everything, but there may be small ways that we can travel or small ways that we can expose ourselves to new things and learn new things that don't necessarily require us to physically go somewhere else. In some instances, ninth house transits involving Jupiter, which are all about growth and expansion, can indicate a ninth house figure or character coming into your life who teaches you something 
or opens up your horizons to some new perspective that you weren't aware of previously. So generally speaking, this is just a pretty favorable transit, and that's going to be most of the second and third quarter of the year for you. And then eventually Jupiter will retrograde out of Aries. It'll go back into Pisces for a little bit, and then it'll come back into Aries from December 20th through May 23rd of, or it's through May of 2023. So that'll be a transit that carries over into next year, and we'll just get part of it this year in 2022. All right, the next transit I wanted to talk about is Saturn is has now made its way into the second half of Aquarius, and thus the second half of your seventh house of relationships and partnership. So this is a transit that began uh, around March and April of 2020 when Saturn first dipped into Aquarius and into your seventh house of relationships. And Saturn can be kind of a challenging planet that sometimes brings up obstacles and difficulties and sometimes setbacks in whatever area of the chart it is transiting. So sometimes these obstacles and difficulties or setbacks can be sort of surmountable difficulties where something comes up and there's an obstacle, but you're able to, through much striving and effort on your part, uh, overcome the obstacle and you come out of it stronger uh, as a result. So that's one scenario during this time. The other scenario is that sometimes in our life we go down a certain path and Saturn puts up kind of a stop sign and says, you cannot proceed further on this path, and instead you have to go a different direction. And that can be kind of tough sometimes, but necessary because even though Saturn can kind of close one door, there'll be other doors that open if you just go in different directions. So one of the challenges for you is figuring out um, in what ways this period of consolidation and um, uh, sort of bringing things, having a little bit lower energy in this area of your life, whether this is like bringing up surmountable difficulties or whether you need to call it quits when it comes to certain relationships and certain partnerships in your life at this time. So for some people, this may coincide with a period of ending some major relationships if you've figured out that the relationship isn't what you want or you've sort of outgrown it at this time. Then it may be time for you to make an exit of some sort, hopefully gracefully. In other instances, there could be challenges that are coming up in the sphere of partnership or in romantic relationships, but if it's something that you really want to stick with and you think that it's worth working through, then it will just take a lot of effort during this time and hard work, um, but you may be able to persevere and get through it uh, as a couple. So this is going to become a little bit more acute in the second quarter, basically late in the first quarter and especially in the second quarter of 2023, because what's going to happen is Mars is actually going to ingress into the sign of Aquarius. Uh, in early March of 2023, and then it's going to come up and form a conjunction with Saturn around April 4th and 5th before eventually Mars um, will leave that sign and move into Pisces uh, after about a, a month of that transit by mid-April. So Mars can sometimes, as I said earlier, 
speed things up so that the pace of events when it comes to relationships and partnership for you increases and you're you're having to put more energy into relationships during that one month period but also it can sometimes bring things to a boil or bring things to a head in terms of if there are issues in your relationships they'll probably become more acute during this time and probably force you to address them more directly and more decisively than you have previously so sometimes mars saturn conjunctions can cause a lot of tension or make us feel like we're being pulled in two different directions which can be really tense and difficult to deal with but ultimately the goal is to sort of force you to make hard decisions and once you make those decisions then you can begin moving forward again eventually after a period that feels very slow or feels like there was a lot of stagnation so if you're feeling this during that one month period around the time of the conjunction especially just know that it's temporary and eventually you'll get through it and come out the other side after after a month or so so the saturn transit though through aquarius um, is pretty much over by early 2023 so saturn moves out of aquarius and it will move into the sign of pisces in march of 2023 so it's going to move out of your seventh house completely by that time and move into your eighth house so some of whatever the potential relationship challenges is that you may or may not be dealing with when it comes to Saturn transiting through Aquarius, um, the good news is that most of that energy should be over by the time Saturn moves into Pisces early next year. So you're in the home stretch now, and I think that's something to be optimistic about in terms of most of what this transit should be about for you should have already started to become clear over the course of the past year. And at this point, you're just sort of going through the motions or you just have to bunker down and push through the very last phase of it before you come out on the other side. All right, so related to that, um, Saturn is going to be forming another square with Uranus this year, especially between September and October. So we already had three exact Saturn-Uranus squares over the course of 2021. And that was really the main signature during the course of 2021. But as we can see from the Archetypal Explorer graph here, that square comes back around the third quarter of 2023 and becomes very close, even though it doesn't go exact. So this has to do with Uranus, which is transiting through your 10th house of career, and it has been for the past few years, squaring Saturn in your seventh house of relationships and causing some tension between those two. So Uranus tends to be more of a unstable, destabilizing, sort of revolutionary energy that's going through your 10th house of career. And it may be feeling very liberating where you've been striking out over the past few years on new career directions and trying to achieve new goals and sometimes having radical or very rapid changes in terms of your career aspirations and your overall life direction. But for some reason, this may be causing some tension um, between the career sector and your relationships. And this is going to be a theme that should have already manifested to some extent in 2021, but we'll probably see a return to that in the third quarter here when that Saturn-Uranus square gets close to going exact again. This actually brings us to one of the next, the second to last thing that I wanted to mention that will actually emphasize 
that square, and especially the Uranus transit through your 10th house of career a bit, which is that this year we're going to have two sets of eclipses, of solar and lunar eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio. So this is taking place in your 10th house of career, as well as your fourth house of the home and the family, the living situation, and your private life. So here is those four eclipses. So the first one is in Taurus in late April, then the Scorpio one is in mid-May. Then we have another set where there's a Scorpio one in late October in your fourth house, and then a Taurus eclipse in early November in your 10th house of career. So that means that we're going to have eclipses basically bouncing back and forth this year between your 10th house of career and your fourth house of home, family, and living situation. So my keyword for eclipses is major beginnings and major endings. So you should be having a period of major beginnings and major endings when it comes to career matters in your public life and overall life direction, as well as when it comes to your private life, your living situation, and in some instances with respect to your relationship with your family or your parents in particular, since usually the a person's parents are indicated or sometimes ancestry is indicated by the fourth house. So for some people, a major beginning or ending in the fourth house could have to do with moving or some sort of major situation of relocating when it comes to your home and living situation. In other instances, it could be something that relates to um, your mom or your dad or whatever your family sort of parental figure was growing up um, and something happening in their life. So that's the fourth house stuff. The 10th house stuff, though, seems like it's really emphasizing some of these career changes that have been happening with Uranus over the past few years and shining more of a spotlight on that where maybe some of the inklings of major radical changes that Uranus has been indicating in the background really start to come to the forefront of your life at this time. Um, especially, there, there's two eclipses that are very close to Uranus actually that happened this year. I think one of them is the one that happens in November, uh, close to the US presidential election. But that's really going to amplify the, the Uranus energy of sort of instability, but also wanting to seek freedom and change, and sometimes just um, the impulse to tear everything down and to start over again new is a very Uranian feeling. So sometimes this can be constructive and necessary to sort of tear everything down and start over again or to make radical changes very rapidly when it comes to your career and your overall life direction. Um, just make sure that you are doing it constructively and you're not just making change for the sake of change that's sort of senseless and destructive, which can sometimes be a Uranian tendency of just like total anarchy when Uranus transits through a certain sector of our chart. So just make sure it's constructive and you're kind of like thinking things through as best as you can. All right, so those are the eclipses in your fourth and tenth house. Finally, the last transit I wanted to mention is the Mars retrograde period, where Mars is going to go retrograde in Gemini in the second half of the year in your eleventh house of friends and groups and alliances. So this transit's really going to start in August, as soon as Mars ingresses into your 11th house of friends and groups. But it doesn't get intensified, it doesn't become fully operative until Mars actually stations retrograde 
in Gemini around October 30th. So Mars is going to go into your 11th house. Um, so the, the positive side of Mars, uh, especially for those of you with night charts where Mars tends to be more constructive, is that it can be a period where you're putting more energy into something and it's just speeding up the pace of your interactions with friends and groups for a certain period of time, for at least like six or seven months, starting from August going forward. So it could be a period where you're just working more with friends, you're getting more involved with groups, you're having to take more decisive action or even play some sort of initiating or leadership role when it comes to friends and groups. So the potential downside of this energy is that sometimes Mars can tend to heat things up and make them too hot so that we can become sort of like hot-headed or um, impulsive or impetuousness or even irritable during this time. So one of the potential downfalls or downsides you want to be careful for is not becoming overly irritable and not getting in fights or conflicts with friends or groups or social movements. So in some instances, if something is going weirdly and you have to say something and call things out, you know, that can be necessary and constructive, even if subjectively it might feel difficult or troublesome. So I'm not saying to don't do something if you need to, but uh, one of the things I would just point out as a potential downside for this is maybe speaking first or speaking off the top of your head and saying something in anger that you later regret that could cause some sort of falling out with a friend or a friend group or some allies that you otherwise work with closely and, and like and enjoy. So just be careful not to do anything that you regret later when it comes to friend groups. Um, but generally speaking, it should just be a period in which friends and alliances are more of the focus for you, um, especially once Mars slows down and stations at the end of October. And then part of that retrograde transit will continue on into next year and into early 2023. All right, so I think that's actually it because that's like the last major transit that I really wanted to flag for you for the purpose of this horoscope. So uh, good luck. Thanks for watching, and uh, I'll see you again next year for the horoscope for 2023. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. So, as always, this was just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast.
So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over 100 hours of video lectures. Uh, it shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice. And it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, in the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 electional astrology report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of electional astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. All right, so that, that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022, and may the stars be ever in your favor. All right, Virgo, let's jump into it by looking at your transits for 2022. All right, here's a graph or diagram that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the year and how far through the signs of the zodiac they'll get by the end of the year, as well as which of the 12 houses they'll be moving through at different points uh, in your chart over the course of the year. Here are some of the main bullet points that I want to focus on during the course of this. Uh, we're going to start with the Venus retrograde in Capricorn in your fifth house, um, and then we'll hit some of these other parts during the course of this video. Here's a second slide that shows dates. I'm going to show this right now really quickly, that way I don't have to keep mentioning the dates over and over again, but you can refer back to this slide uh, later if you need to, if there's something you're not clear about in terms of the time frame involved. All right, so first things first. Um, Venus recently went retrograde in your fifth house of children, creativity, uh, sex, and sexuality, as well as the place of fun and pleasure in your chart. So this Venus retrograde actually started towards the end of last year. It actually started in December, and there were two exact conjunctions with Pluto, but it's a transit that's going to continue into early March. Uh, basically, as long as Venus is in the sign of Capricorn, this transit's going to be operative for you. So Venus retrogrades can sometimes um, force us to revisit and rethink and revise our social contracts with those in our lives and those around us. So for you, this could be um, because Venus stationed retrograde conjunct Pluto, it could be kind of a, a little bit of a tense transit where there's some some tensions coming up and some intensities when it comes to um, one of the things that's involved in the fifth house is romantic relationships. So there could be some really intense situations coming up when it comes to sex and sexuality and romantic relationships at this time in your life that you're going to be working through off and on during the course of this transit of Venus through the sign of Capricorn. So sometimes this can be kind of a difficult because Venus retrogrades can dredge up things from the past, um, especially things that that happened either eight years ago or eight years before that or eight years before that, because Venus will go retrograde in this sign uh, approximately every eight years, so that you'll have some of these somewhat similar energies coming up in eight-year increments. 
So Venus could be bringing up some some issues from the past that are a little bit difficult to deal with or a little bit tense. Um, Pluto Venus connections also sometimes have to do with um, issues uh, issues involving control and manipulation, uh, or sometimes power plays. So if you get into a romantic relationship during this time, it could be a very intense relationship where either you're very focused on and very somewhat almost like obsessed with a partner, or you find somebody else who comes into your life that's kind of really focused on you and really kind of obsessed with your relationship. So in some instances, this type of relationship can be good in that it can be very deep and um, you can have a connection with somebody that's very intense, which can feel great. Um, but on the other hand, it can sometimes bring up some kind of darker issues that have to do with um, obsession that's not necessarily healthy. So one of the things that you'll have to do during the course of this transit is try to sort through whether some of the romantic stuff you're going through at this time is like on the healthy side of things, or if it's going a little bit too far and you need to like slow things down a little bit. So that could be happening when it comes to relationships and things like that. It's also could be coming up within the context of uh, the topic of creativity and creative matters. Or alternatively, the fifth house is also the traditional house that has to do with children. So either if you already have children or you're thinking about having children, there could be some important developments when it comes to the topic of children at this time, especially something that harkens back to something that happened earlier in your life when it comes to that topic. So again, because it initially started off with a conjunction with Pluto, there could be some issues that are coming up during this time that can be tricky to sort through and deal with, but nonetheless necessary in order to move forward. So some of this is going to be the the need to work through some of these things is going to be intensified a little bit um, starting at the end of January when the planet Mars will actually ingress into the sign of Capricorn where it'll join Venus for about a month or so. So Mars will go into Capricorn in late January and it won't depart from Capricorn until Venus does on the same day on March 6th. So Mars can speed things up when it transits through a certain house. Um, it can add greater intensity and greater focus and greater fieriness to this area of our life. So it may just be a time in which you're finding that you're spending a lot of energy either on creative projects or romantic projects or on topics pertaining to the, the broad theme of children in your life, um, whatever that means, whether it's your children or somebody else's children. Um, but Mars can also sometimes bring uh, a little bit too much fire and a little bit too much heat, which can sometimes turn into strife or discord or sometimes having a, a separation or a sort of falling out. So one of the things that's going to be important to do is be a little bit careful once Mars gets there with Venus to decide if you need to make decisive action of some sort in this life, especially when it comes to romantic issues, if there's some sort of change or decision that needs to happen that requires you to sort of lead that and spearhead that change, or alternatively, if it's just some sort of conflict that comes up during this time that you have to be a little bit careful about not to fly off the handle. Um, so some people, for example, can get into conflicts with their children, or others could get into conflicts with a romantic partner. So figuring out how to navigate that might be a little bit tricky, but at least you know, forewarned is forearmed, and you know that there's a 
time frame involved. So even if some tricky stuff comes up, you know that it's not going to last forever, but should be over by the early part of March. All right, so let's move into some other transits, especially some more positive ones coming up. So this may actually be tied in with the previous transit where the next one that I wanted to discuss is Jupiter has recently moved into Pisces and into your seventh house of relationships. So this is generally speaking a pretty positive transit for growth and expansion when it comes to relationships and the general topic of one-on-one -on -one partnerships in your life. So the seventh house relates to relationships, partnership, marriage, and other people in your life in general. So Jupiter, especially for those of you with day charts, generally indicates um, growth and sometimes the start of new relationships or a positive figure coming into your life and sort of helping you out and playing a positive or optimistic role in a one-on-one -on -one capacity in a, in a direct relationship with you. So often for many people, this pertains to a romantic relationship, which could be tied in with some of your Venus retrograde transits that are going on. Um, in the more like romantic or, or sort of sexual area of your chart in the fifth house. But the seventh house can also just pertain to business partnerships as well. If you have a close one-on-one -on -one partnership with another person in your life, even if it's not romantic, it's just the general theme is growth and expansion through direct partnership with another person. So one thing you want, you want to be a little bit careful about though is we do have a Jupiter-Neptune conjunction that's going to take place this year in early to mid-April. So when Jupiter gets a certain ways into Pisces, it's eventually going to conjoin the planet Neptune. And Neptune usually has to do with themes of like illusion and um, sometimes things not being quite what they seem. So on the one hand, in the most positive manifestation, this could indicate a very idealistic period for relationships in your life where everything just seems amazing and everything seems great and some of your your greatest like fantasies or ideals suddenly seem like they're becoming reality when it comes to relationships and partnerships so that's the sort of positive most positive manifestation potentially the potential downside is that sometimes neptune is not necessarily all it's cracked up to be or there can be an initial illusion about something, but then later it turns out that things were not quite as great as they seemed, and instead there could be some sort of deception or misleading involved when it comes to relationships or partnerships in your life at this time. So it's a little bit tricky because um, usually with Neptune transits, it's hard to determine which of those two scenarios it is until you get to the other side of the transit and it's over. It's often hard to see things clearly, and there will be a tendency to probably want to see things more optimistically than they might be at the time. So I don't want to say that to completely remove the positive potential, since just Jupiter going through your seventh house during this time seems like a pretty positive year in terms of relationships in general, especially in the first five months of the year. And then a little bit at the end of the year when Jupiter dips back into Pisces for like a, like a month or two or like a few weeks. Yeah, so Jupiter in Pisces until May 10th, and then it comes back October 28th through December 20th, whereas the conjunction with Neptune goes exact on April 12th. So that's a little bit more 
confined, especially to the earlier part of the year. Um, so just pay attention to those possibilities because one of the ultimate downsides is you definitely don't want to be led astray by somebody who's deliberately um, putting on a false pretense or is trying to lead you into something uh, through some sort of deception. Um, alternatively, sometimes it could be you that's sort of deceiving yourself or is not seeing your partner clearly um, because you want things to be more positive or like better than they actually are. So it's kind of important on your part not just to expect something from the other person, but also to try to strive to see things clearly yourself and not be sort of taken away by you know, sort of fantasies or scenarios that are in your own head in some ways, but instead try to see the other person for who they are and what they're actually bringing to your relationship or your partnership. All right, so that is the Jupiter transit that's happening, especially for the first four, four and a half months of the year. Jupiter just ingressed at the very end of December of 2021. Um, but in May, what happens immediately after that is that Jupiter is going to ingress and move into Aries, which is your eighth house of other people's money. And it's going to stay in that sign from May 10th through October 28th. And then it's going to retrograde um, back into Pisces. So it's going to go into Aries into your eighth house. Then it'll retrograde back into Pisces for like a month or so, and then it's going to come back into Aries um, starting in on December 20th and going through until May of 2023. So this transit is something that's going to be off and on for the next year, basically. So the eighth house has to do with other people's money. It can also have to do with issues pertaining to mortality or inheritance or debt. Um, Jupiter, though, tends to be a more positive influence of uh, or significator of growth and expansion. So typically, this is like a positive transit that indicates growth and expansion coming from other people's money as a general topic in your life. So for some people, because the uh, eighth house is the second house from the seventh house of partnerships, it represents the partner's finances. So a Jupiter transit through the eighth house could indicate some sort of sudden windfall for the partner if you're married, for example, or if you have a business partner. So perhaps your partner gets a raise or your partner suddenly comes into an inheritance or something like that. Um, one of the most common manifestations is just like an Im improvement of finances as a result of the partner's finances somehow getting better during that time. Um, so the eighth house can also be a house where sometimes mortality comes up. So it could be some sort of inheritance for you or some sort of windfall. Uh, the eighth house is also the place of debt and taxes. So I've seen sometimes people suddenly get um, money as a result of like a, a tax return that ends up being better or a tax rebate that ends up being better than they expected or something like that. So that's some of the main energies when it comes to Jupiter transiting through your eighth house, especially in the second half of the year. All right, so next I want to talk about the Saturn transit through the second half of Aquarius and through your sixth house of health and work. So uh, here is your sixth house of health and work. Saturn initially went into Aquarius, Aquarius, it dipped into Aquarius for just a little bit, starting in around March or April of 2020. 
but it wasn't until the end of uh, last year, until December of 2020, that Saturn fully moved into Aquarius, into your sixth house of health and work. Now, sometimes a Saturn transit can bring up some obstacles and difficulties, and sometimes even some setbacks, um, where uh, you could have experienced some obstacles or difficulties in the workplace as it pertains to your job, and some things just being more difficult or more tricky or more slow than they were in years prior to this. Um, so the sixth house can also pertain to health. So sometimes different health issues can come up. They can be issues that maybe you were letting go in the past or not addressing, but then when Saturn comes in through a house, they become things that you sort of have to address and you can't put off any longer. So sometimes um, restructuring things when it comes to your health and finding better ways to maintain your body and maintain your health can be a major part of a Saturn transit that can be really constructive. Um, that idea of restructuring things when it comes to, can also be applied to the topic of work. So there may be some restructuring when it comes to your job and your work and your relationship with other people in your workplace. So this year, um, one of the periods where this is probably going to become more acute and you're probably going to have to spend more energy and more time addressing some issues in this area of your life is going to be starting in March when Mars actually moves into Aquarius as well. So there's Mars that starts off in Sagittarius, but it's going to, by the time of March, get to moving into Aquarius as well, where it's um, eventually going to meet up with Saturn. So we'll get a Mars-Saturn conjunction that goes exact around April 4th or April 5th in your sixth house of work and health. So um, Mars transits can speed things up. They can also make things more acute. So it may just be a really busy period for you where you're having to put a lot more energy and time um, and effort into health matters or work matters. Um, in some instances, it can bring up acute issues or there can be like a, a separation or a severing at this time. So for some of you, if you find yourself in a managerial position um, or if you're like the owner of a business, the sixth house can sometimes represent uh, subordinates or people that work for you. So there could be the need to let somebody go or there could be some sort of conflict with somebody in the workplace that's irritating or just causes strife. So for some of you, hopefully that'll be constructive and whatever issues this brings up, it's really only going to be like a month-long transit. So it starts in early March when Mars goes into Aquarius. It peaks when the Mars-Saturn conjunction goes exact in early April. And then Mars is already out of Aquarius and moves into Pisces by the 14th of April, and then the transit's pretty much over. So at least in terms of the sort of acute component of that, it's not going to last very long in terms of the Mars-Saturn transit, even if Saturn continues to transit through that sign for the rest of 2020, 2022. Um, Saturn's pretty much almost done in the, in the grand scheme of things. Saturn's going to move into Pisces in March of 2023. So this is really the last year of this Saturn transit. And most of the themes that it has to do with your, your house of work and health have probably already come up and you're already aware of them and sort of working on some of those issues at this time. So the good news is that there is an end point and we're in the, the sort of final stretch of Saturn going through your sixth house over the course of the next year.
All right, so moving on. So I touched on the Mars-Saturn conjunction around April 4th. Saturn is also going to be squaring Uranus again this year. This is a transit that was primarily happening last year where we had three exact hits of Saturn square Uranus during the course of 2021. But as we can see on this transit graph from Archetypal Explorer, the Saturn-Uranus square is going to come back in the third quarter, especially around September and October, where it gets very close to going exact again. So this is indicating um, some tensions where Saturn, uh, sorry, Uranus, which has been transiting through your ninth house of religion and philosophy and belief and travel, and you've been having this kind of rebellious, kind of refreshing, liberating energy going through that sector of your life, which may have indicated the development of some new philosophies, some new beliefs, some new educational directions and vistas, or some sudden and unexpected exposures to new cultures or new ways of life and thinking about the world that are different compared to what you grew up with or where you were prior to the past few years when this transit started as soon as Uranus went into Taurus a few years ago. But there's something about some of this, um, these major changes that are going on in your ninth house that's causing some tensions when it comes to your, your sixth house of health and work and that Saturn transit that's going through that sign. So it may be that maybe some of your, your new beliefs or that some of these radical changes that are happening in the education or the belief sector are somehow causing tensions when it comes to um, your work life and the work sector. And figuring out a way to reconcile those two areas of your life is going to be part of your challenge that you really need to finish doing over the course of this next year. Um, it could also be that there's something about your beliefs or some of these radical changes that could be uh, causing tensions when it comes to health and wellness. Um, maybe if there's some sort of misalignment between um, some new thing that you've gotten into or gotten focused on, like a new health idea that's sort of motivated philosophically or spiritually, but that's somehow causing conflict in terms of your actual physical um, health and wellness. Maybe there's something that's out of alignment there or that's causing those tensions. Either way, it's good to just think about some of the topics associated with the sixth and the ninth houses and how there might be some tensions in those two areas of your life or between those two areas that you can reconcile during the course of this year especially in the third quarter of 2022. All right, so that actually leads directly into the next section where I wanted to talk about the eclipses that are going to be bouncing back and forth between Taurus and Scorpio starting in April and May, but then also again in October and November. So we've already, I've just talked about Taurus and how Taurus is your Ninth house of religion and philosophy and education and beliefs. That's where some of the eclipses are going to be taking place. And we, we actually already had one in late November of 2021 that started this whole eclipse series. Um, but there's also going to be a couple of eclipses in Scorpio in your third house of communication, travel, siblings, neighbors, and extended relatives and family. Those are the primary topics associated with the third house. So during the course of this year, you're going to have this series of eclipses that takes place, which is going to indicate major beginnings and major endings in those two areas of your life, just bouncing back and forth over the course of the year. So here's the actual dates. So the first set of eclipses is in late April and mid-May, 
and then the second set is in late October and early November. So great beginnings and great endings when it comes to those two areas of your life. So sometimes when this happens in the third and ninth house axis, it has to do with learning new things in the ninth house and some of these radical changes that are taking place due to Uranus transiting through your ninth house over the past few years and the ways in which maybe your beliefs or your outlook on the world is changing radically, um, but then needing to figure out how to communicate that and starting some major beginnings in terms of shining a spotlight on how do I communicate some of these things that I've been learning over the past few years to those around me in a way that makes sense and isn't um, alienating could be one of the topics for you. It can also be um, things involving travel and just um, mobility. So in terms of the ninth house being typically the place of long distance travel or international travel, whereas the third house tends to be the house that has more to do with um, travel over a short distance, like in your neighborhood, for example. And some sort of um, new beginnings in terms of that, and in terms of ideas of mobility in your life and just getting around the world in general and needing to perhaps restart things or start a new phase when it comes to how you're doing those things in some way. Um, other topics the ninth house is also, or the third house is also the place of siblings, neighbors, and extended relatives. So it may just be major developments that are happening in the lives of. Your siblings, if you have any, or your neighbors, or your extended family, like aunts and uncles, who for some people are more important in their life compared to others. Um, sometimes major transits like this have to do with things that are happening in those people's lives independent of you, whereas in other instances, it can indicate um, changes in terms of your relationship with those people. That is actually significant or significantly impacts your life. So that would be something to pay attention to during the course of 2022 as we get these new beginnings and these new chapters opening up in that sector of your chart specifically. All right. So moving on, I wanted to touch on this very last transit that's going to happen pretty much the entire second half of the year, which is the Mars retrograde in the sign of Gemini, which is your 10th house of career. So this transit begins on October 20th when Mars first moves into the sign of Gemini, but it really peaks in intensity around October 30th when Mars is going to slow down and it's going to station retrograde in the sign of Gemini in your 10th house of career, public reputation, and overall life direction. So um, let's do positive-negative scenarios on this. So positive scenario is that Mars can sometimes bring a lot of energy and a lot of activity to an area. So this could be a period in which you're putting in a lot of extra work um, in your career or towards achieving some sort of life goal. And during this period, suddenly you just have to increase the intensity and work a lot of extra hours and push really hard and things might um, seem like they're bogged down or they're, they're taking longer than they need to, and you're having to expend a lot of energy over an extended period of time, which is sometimes what Mars retrogrades do because it slows down and it just starts grinding across a certain sign of the zodiac for six or seven months instead of normal Mars transits where it just quickly jaunts through a single sign of the zodiac. So it could just be putting a lot of work and emphasis and focus. On career matters during the second half of the year. 
Um, however, sometimes Mars transits can also bring um, strife or discord or separation to this part of our chart as well, especially for those of us with day charts where Mars tends to be a little bit more challenging or a little bit more tricky. So it could be a time in which you get into some conflicts or some strife or have even a separation when it comes to your career where you have a major setback and you have to um, go a different direction, where it sort of forces you to move away from potentially from one career or one thing that you've been working on at the time and instead have to go somewhere else or have to do something else. There also could just be an issue in terms of some sort of incident that happens in terms of your rep reputation at this time, especially around the time of the Mars station around late October. Although the scenarios that um, happen during that time will actually be building up and being put into place going all the way back to August as soon as Mars ingresses into that sign. If you pay attention, the sort of scenario will start building up and the pieces will start falling into place at that point. Which will eventually culminate and become more clear at the time of the the retrograde station in late October. So the retrograde is then actually going to last for a while, and this transit's going to go well into the early part of 2023. So it's something that continues on into next year, but we'll get um, the majority of it or the brunt of it will take place in the second half of 2022. So those are some of the themes that I'd really focus on when it comes to that final transit of the year where it seems like there are some major career matters that are happening and career becomes part of the major focus of the end of 2022 for you for some reason in terms of either putting more energy towards your work and career and overall life direction in order to achieve things or in terms of having some obstacles come that come up that you have to deal with or sort of push through at that time. Um, but I think that is really the, ma the the last major thing that I meant to mention in terms of transits for Virgo and especially Virgo rising for um, for this year. So I think that's it. So thanks a lot for watching this forecast. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. So as always, this was just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year-ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast. So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over a hundred hours of video lectures. Uh, it shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice, 
And it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, in the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 Electional Astrology Report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of electional astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. All right, so that, that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022, and may the stars be ever in your favor. All right, Libra, let's jump into it and look at your transits for 2022. So here's a diagram that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the year and how far through the signs of the zodiac they'll get by the end of the year. Uh, here's some of the points that I want to touch on, starting with the Venus retrograde, which has already begun by the time we start 2022, but it's going to last uh, well into, I think, the first couple of months, not really being finished until Venus leaves Capricorn, uh, which is the sign it's retrograde in right now, on March 6th. So this is something to pay attention to for the first couple of months of 2022. So Venus is going retrograde in Capricorn, which for Libra and Libra rising is your fourth house of home, family, living situation, and your private life in general. So a Venus retrograde can have to do with um, bringing up some intense dynamics, especially relational dynamics, when it comes to typically in the fourth house, either your parents and your relationship with your parents or your family more broadly, or secondarily, your home and your living situation, whatever that means for you. So because Venus went retrograde in December conjunct Pluto, that can indicate kind of an intense energy, an intense exchange, where sometimes it can dredge up some things from the past, or it can bring up some pretty intense relational dynamics um, in terms of your parents or in and your relationship with them, or in terms of your home and your living situation. So sometimes this can be a good thing. It can dredge up things from the past in order to address them and bring them into light in the present so that you can move forward. Uh, sometimes this can be bringing up things that happened eight years ago, because that was the last time that Venus went retrograde in Capricorn in the same sector of your chart in the fourth house, because uh, Venus will basically do that approximately every eight years. So eight years back, or 16, or 24 depending on how old you are, you may see some repetitions or some echoes of themes that happened in the past coming up during this time. So what else happens with Venus and Pluto? Um, greater focus and greater attention and activity taking place when it comes to your home and living situation. Sometimes this can be something as simple as like redecorating or reorganizing your home and living situation in some way. A retrograde and especially a station can just signify an important turning point when it comes to the topics of that house. And it doesn't necessarily have to be negative, but it does usually have some quality of reviewing or revising things or revisiting or renegotiating things, all sorts of rewords 
whereas Venus itself is the planet of relationships, beautification, and interaction with, with other people. So it sometimes forces us to confront and address some of the relationships that we have, the one-on-one relationships, and whether there's certain things that aren't quite going the way that they need to go and need to be revised in some way. This is a great opportunity to do that. So um, this is going to actually intensify a little bit, and the pace of things is going to pick up towards the end of January, because what happens is that the planet Mars is actually going to move or ingress into the sign of Capricorn and into your fourth house starting on January 24th. And there it's going to sort of catch up to Venus and conjoin Venus, and Mars isn't going to be finished transiting through that sign until it leaves and moves into Aquarius on March 6th, which happens to be the same day that Venus also departs from that sign. So that's when the full Venus retrograde period will be over, is once Venus completely departs from your fourth house of home, living situation, and your private life. So with Mars ingressing into that sign, it can pick up and speed up the pace of events. So suddenly things are moving much faster, and you may find yourself having to work on things when it comes to your home and your living situation or things related to your parents, like your relationship with them. So sometimes it can just be a period of heightened activity where you're having to put more concerted effort into that area of your life. Um, Other times, Mars can kind of like raise the temperature or the heat in that area of your life, and it can lead to things becoming uh, not just more hectic, but sometimes um, more tense. And sometimes there can be in um, situations where there's like not just anxiety, but conflict or strife or even a severing or separation coming up as archetypal themes in this area of your life when you have a Mars transit through the fourth house. So that's going to be the more challenging significations are going to be less the case for those with night charts and will probably be more constructive. Whereas for those with day charts, I would expect some of those more acute and a little bit more challenging significations to potentially come to the forefront. So that's something to pay attention to there. Um, As with all Mars transits, one of the things you can do is just um, be a little bit careful about being impetuous or impulsive when it comes to actions related to the fourth house and your home and living situation, or alternatively, your parents and family, because sometimes when we get really heated in the heat of an argument, you know, things can be said that you later regret or that can lead to a falling out or a separation. And in some instances, once you cool down, you can kind of regret that you said certain things in the heat of the moment. So one piece of advice is just to be a little bit careful about that as a potential, because as long as you're aware of it, you may be able to mitigate some of the worst outcomes that could come about just through your own actions. All right, so that transit is the first one I wanted to focus on this year, and it lasts until March 6th. The other one I wanted to talk about is Jupiter moving into Pisces, which is your sixth house. So here's the circular chart again. So Pisces is your sixth house of work and health. And Jupiter is generally a planet of growth and expansion. 
so it should represent some relatively positive things moving into your sixth house of work and health. So for some people, this can be growth in the job sphere. It can mean getting a new job, or it could indicate a promotion in a current job that you already have, or entering some sort of relatively positive or optimistic phase of your work life. Um, if you find yourself in a managerial role or if you own your own business, the sixth place is also the place of um, people that help you or people that work for you, people in a subservient role. So it can sometimes indicate having a positive relationship or hiring somebody that really helps you out and does a good job and helps sort of manage your workplace in a more positive fashion. Uh, the only thing to be careful about when it comes to that is that uh, Jupiter is going to meet up with the planet Neptune and conjoin Neptune in Pisces around April 12th. And so the issue with that is that Neptune can sometimes be uh, kind of a illusory planet that indicates things that look really good but aren't necessarily very substantive or um, have a quality of not being quite what they seem to be at first. So on the best case scenario, sometimes that just makes something look really good. Um, even if it's not quite as good as what as what it seemed at first, it still can be okay. But you want to be careful of the more extreme downside, which can be issues of like deception or people putting themselves forward as something that they're not or or pretending to be something that they're not. So if this is something that comes up in the workplace, it's just something to watch out for in terms of the potential for deception. Although for many of you, that like worst case scenario isn't necessarily going to be the case. And instead it could just be a relatively pleasant and positive and optimistic time, even if once you get to the other side of it, things were not quite as positive as it seemed like they as it looked like they were going to be at first. Um, the other thing to mention about the sixth house is health and what it takes to maintain and improve your health. So Jupiter through the sixth house can be a great period for improving your health and identifying areas where you have something that you'd like to improve or like to work on and actually being able to be successful in doing that. So sometimes this can be as a result of getting good advice. For example, sometimes when we go and get medical advice, you know, sometimes it works out better or worse for different reasons that are sort of outside of your control. But this is a period in which attempting to get help um, for health-related matters or to improve one's diet or otherwise general approach to health um, could be relatively positive and successful during this time. So some people, for example, start going to the gym or start a workout routine or just generally doing things in order to improve and maintain a better overall sense of health. So this transit is going to be mainly prominent the first four months of this year until the middle of May, and then it'll come back just a little bit later this year, uh, October 28th through December 20th. So that's the Jupiter transit through your sixth house. Uh, after that, Jupiter actually ingresses into Aries on May 10th, which is your seventh house of relationships. So this means that the planet of growth and expansion is moving into the sector of your chart that indicates relationships, um, both romantic as well as professional one-on-one -on -one relationships where you work very closely with um, a partner or have some sort of direct partnership with somebody. So uh, 
in terms of romantic relationships, this can either be a great period to start new relationships or in which you see that new relationships start to grow and blossom. Or alternatively, if you're already in a relationship, it can signify just a new um, period in your relationship or a new chapter in your relationship where things start going particularly well or in which your partner's doing well and is in a relatively successful and optimistic space, which then reflects positively back on your life at the same time. So uh, if you're in the market for relationships, it can be a good time to look for one. Um, And if you're not, or if this is more pertaining to business partnerships, then it would, generally speaking, be a pretty good time to start some partnerships or work closely one-on-one with another person. So that transit is primarily taking place between May 10th and October 28th, although then it's going to come back at the very end of the year from December 20th until May of 2023. So it's kind of off and on over the course of the next year and a half or so, which is pretty pretty great. All right, so the next transit after that seventh house transit of Jupiter through Aries is I wanted to talk about Saturn transiting through the second half of Aquarius because we're getting towards the end of this entire Saturn in Aquarius transit, which started almost two years ago now and really got going, especially one year ago in December of 2020. So this Saturn transit uh, has been going through Aquarius, which is your fifth house. So let me show the diagram that shows the significations of the houses. The fifth house pertains to things like traditionally children, uh, creativity, pleasure, uh, also sex, and other things related to sex are fifth house topics. So with Saturn going through your fifth house, this can be a time of restructuring when it comes to this area of your life and restructuring either your relationship with the topic of children, either your own children if you have any, or um, other people's children and just like the concept of children in general in your life. For example, I knew some like a client once who was like a children's book writer that had major fifth house placements going on. So sometimes it can just be the topic of children as a general concept in your life. So restructuring your thoughts and relationship with children, also sometimes restructuring things related to creativity and the ways in which you express yourself creatively in your life, and perhaps putting more structure into that um, in a way that's more deliberate than at other times in your life. And then finally, also redefining your relationship with sex and sexuality and romantic relationships in general in some way. So um, maybe this is a more serious period of your life. Sometimes Saturn transits can bring uh, sort of obstacles that come up that are either surmountable difficulties in this area of your life. So it's like one of those things where an obstacle comes up, but through great striving and effort, you're able to overcome that and you end up coming out the other side of the transit stronger as a result of it having learned and sort of improved yourself in ways that maybe you wouldn't have done initially if you weren't forced to for some reason. So that's one scenario with Saturn transits. That's the more positive scenario. The other scenario is sometimes Saturn can put up a roadblock or a stop sign where you've been proceeding down 
this path in your a certain path in your life in this area of your life of of children, creativity, uh, sexuality, but then you reach a stop sign and you find out that you can't proceed further down this specific path for some reason. And in some scenarios, you reach this stop sign where it says that you can't proceed further. And it's not a sort of negotiable, surmountable difficulty, but instead it's a non-negotiable one, in which case sometimes you have to find a different path or go a different direction. So um, I've seen some instances, for example, where people run into issues with the topic of children, like issues conceiving children, or um, if they have older children running into difficulties in terms of their relationship with children. Or perhaps their children running into some difficulties during this time in their own life, which is simply being reflected in your chart. Um, in other instances, it can be running into issues in terms of sex and sexuality, and um, perhaps needing to have that be a part of your life where there isn't as much focus or in which you sort of pull back for a period of time. Um, but the good news is that whatever this period is and whatever this transit is about for you, it's something that does have a definite end point, which is that Saturn is going to depart from Aquarius in March of 2023. So this is the last year of this transit. So that means that there is an end point in sight, and we're already about halfway through the transit at this point. So whatever some of these topics or themes that are supposed to come up for you in this area of your life at this time they're probably things that already started coming up and that you've already got some inkling about if not some full on knowledge that you're already like working through and dealing with this because the transit started first back in let's say March and April of 2020 and then in earnest starting in December of 2020 when Saturn fully moved into Aquarius permanently for the last time so I did want to mention though the Mars transit because when Mars ingresses into Aquarius on March 6th, it's going to begin building up to a conjunction with Saturn in Aquarius in the same house in your chart, in the fifth house of children, creativity, and sex and sexuality. So that conjunction will go exact on April 4th and 5th before eventually. Uh, the transit will be over when Mars departs from from Aquarius and moves into Pisces on April 14th. So I wanted to mention this because Mars um, moving into Aquarius and into your fifth house can indicate a period in which some of those issues that I was talking about become more urgent. So sometimes Mars transits through the fifth house or Mars transits in general can just increase the pace of events so that you're putting a lot of extra focus and a lot of extra energy and effort on this, this area of your life for some reason. So it can just uh, in, indicate a period in which it becomes even more of a focal point in your life for about a month or so. Um, however, for some people, Mars transits can um, increase the pace of things, but also bring issues with like conflict, with strife, or with um, severing and separations. So, for example, uh, one scenario could be something like getting in in a fight with one of your children and having an argument or something like that. Or alternatively, 
um, getting in some sort of quarrel with like a lover or something like that, which can be a fifth house type person or fifth house type transit. Um, generally speaking, it's just a, a period in which Mars and Saturn transits tend to pull you sometimes psychologically in two different directions or where you feel like you're being pulled in two very different opposite directions, which can generally just cause some tension and some anxiety in that period of your life for relatively brief span of time for about a month. So I wanted to point that out just because that seems to be part of the focal point of some of that Saturn transit that's happening this year is that Mars-Saturn conjunction, which looks a little bit tense since the last one that we had in that sign was around March and April of 2020. All right. So uh, related to that slightly is Saturn is also squaring Uranus from your eighth house of other people's money off and on during the course of this year. So we already had three exact squares between Saturn and Uranus during the course of 2021. So that's one of the main long-term transits that we've had going on for quite a while now over the past 12 months. However, as we can see from this graph from Archetypal Explorer, it's actually going to come back again pretty close and pretty strong in the September-October timeframe, basically around the third quarter of 2022. So Uranus has been transiting through Taurus, which is your eighth house. And the eighth house represents, uh, generally speaking, finances and money and assets that belong to other people. And Uranus transits tend to be very liberating. They tend to be very exciting. They tend to change things up and um, indicate radical, somewhat unexpected changes in the area of the life that Uranus is transiting. So this can be sudden financial changes, especially as it relates to the role that other people's money plays in your life. Because the the way that it's set up is like the first house is you. The second house is your finances, the seventh house is other people, and the eighth house is other people's finances. So symbolically, the eighth house generally represents the financial matters or assets that belong to people other than you, but also the role that that plays in your life or how that comes into your life. So sometimes that can come up in different, sometimes weird ways through things like inheritances, uh, topics of debt taxes, donations. In some instances, since the second house is the second house or the eighth house is the second relative to the seventh house of partnership, it can indicate your partner's finances. So um, in some instances, transits through the eighth house can indicate developments that are happening in terms of your partner's financial um, money-making potential or income or what have you either positively or negatively. So I'm bringing up this transit because basically this has been part of an on and off theme that you've been experiencing over the course of the past year that will continue into this year of some sort of tension between uh, the eighth house of other people's money and the fifth house of children, creativity, sex, and sexuality. So the square between Uranus and Saturn indicates some sort of tension in this area. If there's any sort of stressful relationships or connections between this area for some reason in your life, then some of these tensions 
could shake things up and cause things to sort of deteriorate, or if there are not very um, sound structures in this area of your life, it could cause some of them to fall uh, if they're not very well laid foundations at this time, so that you'll have to build something up new in, in their place. Alternatively, it could just be a stress testing period where you go through a period where there are challenges or tensions that come up unexpectedly that shake the foundations. But if things are relatively strong and stable, then those foundations will stay solid and there will not be any major sort of losses or, or destruction in this area of your life at this time. But I wanted to mention this um, partially because it leads us into our next set of transits, which is that this year we have ramping up a series of eclipses in the signs of Taurus and Scorpio, which are your eighth and second houses. So this is really the eighth and second houses are in particular, it's the financial axis in our chart. So the second house is our finances, our money, our income, and our possessions, whereas the eighth house represents the income and money and possessions of other people. So you're going to have um, eclipses bouncing back and forth in this axis of your life during the course of this year. And my primary keyword for eclipses is they tend to indicate major beginnings and major endings. So major beginnings and major endings when it comes to financial matters, both related to your own finances as well as the finances of other people in your life, including partners. So here's the dates for those eclipses. Um, the first set of eclipses are going to take place in late April and early May. And then the second set of eclipses are going to happen from late October through early November. So those are the two primary time ranges. And eclipses tend to be catalysts for major events. And some of the most positive events in your life, as well as some of the most negative events, will tend to be foreshadowed by eclipses. So for you, because this is connected with some of the the Uranus transit through your eighth house of other people's money, I think this is really tied into financial matters and some of the continued um, major radical changes taking place in your life when it comes to the role that other people's finances plays in your life personally and the personal effect that it has on your life and your birth chart. Um, one other topic that sometimes comes up when it comes to eighth house transits that I have to mention is issues pertaining to mortality and longevity. So sometimes people can start thinking about their own mortality or making arrangements by thinking about things like life insurance or other things like that and making sure their loved ones are taken care of if something were to happen with them. In other instances, you can start thinking about the mortality of those around you or having that come up as a topic for some reason um, at this time when the eighth house starts getting activated. So sometimes it's a good idea to think about and plan out things like that ahead of time instead of being sort of surprised by it at some point in the future, having not made any plans for it in advance. So to whatever extent you can like make constructive positive changes in that part of your life or plans in that part of your life, it might be a useful thing to do or to think about. And that can sort of take up or soak up the symbolism of this, you know, great endings and great beginnings. Uh, signature that's happening in that part of your chart this year, just to use the symbolism constructively. All right, so 
other there's one other transit I needed to mention or I meant to mention this year, which is the Mars retrograde in the second half of the year that's happening in the sign of Gemini. So this is really going to begin on August 20th when the planet Mars um, moves into the sign of Gemini, which is your ninth house of religion, philosophy, travel, education. There's a lot of really positive ninth house topics actually, as you can see from this diagram, but they generally have to do with like exploring and learning things that are different or that are foreign compared to what you know or what you started with at at the point at which you began in your early life. So this period begins on August 20th when Mars moves into that sign, but it really picks up and, and peaks in intensity around October 30th when Mars slows down and stations retrograde and then begins moving backwards for a period of several months. So that's Mars right there. You can see it does a, sort of a U-turn. That's That U-turn will happen around October 30th, and then it'll move backwards in the sky, retracing its steps for several months. So um, as I said earlier, Mars periods can be periods in which there's just greater focus and energy. Um, in this instance, it could be a period in which you have to have sustained effort in pushing forward in this area of your life, even though it's taking much longer than you originally thought it would or originally planned it would. Um, Mars transits through the ninth house could be sort of energetically exploring something or traveling or uh, starting a new uh, mode of education and learning about new things or foreign things or really diving into a new philosophy or sort of religious study of some sort and sort of expanding your horizons in that way. So Mars transits can just be about putting a lot of energy and effort into something for a relatively short span of time of a few months. Um, possible downside that always comes up with Mars, as I said earlier, is that sometimes it can indicate conflict or discord or severing or separation in the part of the chart that it's transiting. So there could be some sort of conflict that comes up if you are traveling at this time, since the ninth house is one of the places of travel. It could be some sort of conflict or strife when it comes to education. So sometimes people are like on a certain educational path, but then something happens and they find themselves having to leave that or, or sort of reject or cut that out of their life for some reason. Um, it can also be some sort of conflict in terms of your philosophy of life or some sort of conflict in terms of your religious beliefs at this time, where there's something that comes up that causes you to have um, some sort of falling out with a, a belief system that you had previously, or some sort of uh, reckoning where you find yourself separating from some previous sort of religious institution or re religious beliefs. There's a lot of different scenarios, and the ninth house is a very um, is one of those houses that actually has a ton of significations. So it's hard to narrow things down too much in terms of the archetypes involved, but that should give you some idea of that as one of the last major transits that's kind of overshadowing a decent part of the second half of the year, especially once Mars stations from late October forward. And then that retrograde transit of Mars will continue on and won't actually wrap up until a little ways into 2023. 
So I think that's actually the last major transit that I wanted to mention as part of this report. Um, I have touched on the Jupiter-Neptune, the Mars-Saturn conjunction, the Saturn-Uranus square, and I believe I showed this diagram for the Venus retrograde. So uh, I think that is actually it for this forecast. So thanks for watching this forecast for 2022, and I'll see you again in 2023. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. So as always, this was just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own, which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast. So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over 100 hours of video lectures. Uh, it shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice. And it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, in the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 Electional Astrology Report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of electional astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. All right, so that, that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022, and may the stars be ever in your favor. All right, Scorpio, you brilliant diabolical bastards, let's take a look at your transits for 2022. So here's a transit graph that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the year and where they will end up by the end of the year in terms of their progress through the signs of the zodiac. Here's some of the main transits I want to talk about this year for you for 2022. So let's first talk about the Venus retrograde in Capricorn in your third house. So this is a transit that already started actually late last year uh, when Venus went retrograde in December of 2021 in Capricorn in your third house of uh, communication, short distance travel, siblings, neighbors, and extended relatives. And Venus went retrograde conjunct Pluto, which is kind of a, a tricky transit, kind of a difficult transit, 
But this transit's going to be active actually off and on all the way through early March because it's not through not until early March that Venus will eventually not just stop being retrograde, but also depart from Capricorn and move into Aquarius on March 6th. So here's your chart. There's your third house and Venus, where it's going retrograde, conjunct the planet Pluto. So this transit can sometimes lead to needing to go back and revise or dredge up old things pertaining to the past or pertaining to social relationships with third house individuals. So this can be if you have any siblings, there can be some major things going on either in their life or in terms of your relationship with them and needing to re renegotiate things. So this may be a little bit tricky because since Venus stationed conjunct Pluto, Pluto often brings an element of um, manipulation of power plays of control issues, and Venus Pluto conjunctions can be very intense and somewhat um, obsessive or prone towards going to extremes rather than in the middle or, or things staying moderate. So uh, it may have you renegotiating things in terms of your siblings or in terms of other third house people can be neighbors. And difficulties in needing to renegotiate social contracts involving your neighbors. It can also indicate extended relatives and families, such as um, aunts and uncles and cousins and things of that nature. In some instances, the third house can relate to travel, like short distance travel or things in your neighborhood and your immediate vicinity in some way, like outside of your house, but still relatively in your own city. And things that are going on or changing or having to be re renegotiated there. So, since Venus retrograde goes uh, retrograde in the sign of Capricorn every eight years, some of the things coming up during this time may be re related to events that occurred or echoes of events that occurred in your life in the same area either eight years ago or 16 years ago or 24 years ago, depending on how old you are, since Venus. We'll just keep going retrograde in Capricorn for the most part every eight years, um, so you can count back pretty easily. So sometimes, if you think back to those previous retrograde periods, it can give you some insight into how things are going to go during this one, as well as some of the things that you might need to deal with or revisit over the course of the next couple of months. So some of this, some of these themes are going to be actually intensified. Starting in late January, not just because Venus is going to station direct in Capricorn, but also because Mars is going to ingress into Capricorn on the 24th of January and join Venus and begin conjoining Venus off and on over the course of the next month or two. So Mars can speed up the events and the pace of things. So you may find yourself having to do a lot more communication. A lot more short distance travel or having a lot more interactions and having to put more energy and effort into your relationship with different third house parties, such as siblings, neighbors, or extended relatives. That's the like best case positive constructive scenario, especially for those of you with day charts where this could be a more constructive or a somewhat more positive transit. For those, those of you with night charts, um, some of the more challenging uh, sides of Mars might come out. Which have to do with things like uh, strife, conflict, anger, discord, and sometimes even severing or separation. 
So um, one of the general themes, anytime you have a third house transit, is communication. So one of the things you might want to be careful about is getting into verbal altercations or arguments with people during this time. You may find yourself either being more argumentative or um, potentially just saying something in the heat of the moment that perhaps you regret later that could lead to some sort of severing or separation or falling out with some sort of third house uh, person, some sort of third house party. So here's a list of significations for each of the 12 houses, where it lists the third house as being associated with siblings, short trips, school, and communication. Sometimes friends can also go in the third house, so that might be a good uh, one to be a little bit careful about there in terms of uh, discord. Um, third house Mars transits, also be careful uh, when traveling, don't do don't like speed in your car because that could be dangerous. Don't otherwise take unnecessary risks while traveling during this time. Um, and also just be careful in terms of interactions with other third house parties, not to get into unnecessary conflicts or um, do something impulsive that you later regret when it comes to potentially severing or separating yourself from a relationship. Now, of course, there's some scenarios where if a relationship is not constructive or is not serving you well or is somehow undermining you and you have to cut it out of your life, then that may you know, be the case during this time period, and that can still be a constructive use of that transit, even if it's somewhat challenging or somewhat unpleasant subjectively. All right, so that transit is going to end pretty much simultaneously on the same day on March 6th, when both Venus departs from Capricorn in your third house, and Mars also departs from your third house on the very same day. So that gives us a sort of end point for that transit. The next transit I wanted to talk about is Jupiter has recently ingressed or, or moved into Pisces, which is your fifth house. And the fifth house has to do with topics like children, creativity, but also things like pleasure or sex and sexual activity or your orientation towards sexuality in general. So here is Jupiter going through your fifth house. Uh, Jupiter is the planet of growth, optimism, expansion, and it can indicate a period of growth and optimism in this area when it comes to things like children, for example. Um, for some people, if they were planning on having children or they wanted to have children, this could be a period in which they conceive or have children at this time. If some people have been having problems having children or there's been an inability to, in some instances, this can be a good period in order to attempt to um, seek treatments in order to see if you can successfully conceive. Uh, for some people, if you already have grown children, it may just indicate a positive period in terms of your relationship with your children or in terms of some events and circumstances that are taking place in their life over the course of the different parts of this year, especially the first four months, because Jupiter's only going to be in Pisces primarily up until about May 10th. Um, other things, it can be a good period for create creative matters for those that are artistic. If you have any sort of creative impulse or if that's something that you'd like to explore, it can be a period of success and learning new things and learning new artistic techniques for creativity and expressing yourself. And then finally, it can also be a period of just growth and development in terms of uh, your orientation towards sex and sexuality in general. Uh, for some people, it can be like 
developing a new romantic interest with somebody or a new casual relationship that goes relatively well, especially in the first four months of this year. Um, the only downside to be a little bit careful about is in early April, Jupiter is going to conjoin the planet Neptune in your fifth house. And Neptune can be very good for creative matters. So this could actually increase your ability and your creative output and your ability to sort of like channel um, a, a sort of higher level ability to create authentic worlds and on authentic or immersive experiences in terms of artistic expression. So that's definitely best case scenario for the Jupiter conjunct Neptune transit in your fifth house and in terms of creativity. You might want to be a little bit careful because sometimes in terms of romantic relationships, Neptune can be a little bit deceptive. So there can be issues involving truth or things not appearing uh, not not being quite as good as they appear at first. So if there was some sort of romantic involvement or some sort of tryst, the person could come off as being much um, better or much more like spiritually or philosophically high-minded than they actually turn out to be in retrospect. Uh, the thing about Neptune transits, though, is you don't often know until it's over um, what was really going on in reality? Because typically, when you're going through a Neptune transit, it seems very beautiful and it seems very engaging at the time. So, for many of you, the advice is just to enjoy it because it's going to be a nice transit, but just try not to get too carried away and keep one foot on the ground to stay a little bit grounded when it comes to some of these um, these relationships and other things that occur during this time. All right, so that's happening just the first few months of the year when we have Jupiter going through Pisces up until May 10th. It does come back again very briefly from October 28th through December 20th. Um, but the next thing I wanted to talk about besides the Jupiter conjunct Neptune transit and Jupiter going through Pisces is the transit of Jupiter into Aries, which takes place May 10th and then stays there all the way until October 28th. So when Jupiter moves from Pisces into Aries, it's going to be going into your sixth house of work and health. So this can be a positive period of growth and expansion when it comes to your workplace. Some people can get a new job or get a promotion at their current job or just start a new phase in their job where things are going relatively smoothly and relatively successfully. If you own your own business or if you find yourself in a managerial role, then Jupiter transits through your sixth house can be just having good interactions with people who work for you. Um, it can be hiring somebody that turns out to be very helpful and bring a much more optimistic and growth-oriented vibe into your workplace as a result of being, being uh, involved in your work. Uh, other scenarios for Jupiter in the sixth house transit, the sixth house is also the place of health. Um, and especially in terms of Jupiter transits can sometimes be good for addressing health issues that maybe were problematic or that had escaped you in the past, but finding good ways to deal with and address and get help with those matters in the present. So if there's something that kind of escaped you in the past, now might be a good time to seek new treatments or get medical advice from a doctor. And in some instances, that advice might um, work out a little bit better during this time frame as you have Jupiter going through your sixth house of health and work. Um, so any ways that you can improve your health, like 
starting a new diet or exercise regime would be uh, positive or constructive ways to make the most out of this transit during that time. So definitely give it a shot. All right, so the time frame for that transit, as I said, is May 10th through October 28th primarily, but Jupiter is actually going to come back to Aries starting December 20th all the way through May of 2023. So it's a two-part transit, part of which is in the second half of this year and part of which is in the first half of next year. So that looks pretty, pretty good. All right, so next transit I want to move on to is talking about Saturn going through the second half of Aquarius through your fourth house of home and family and living situation and your private life. So this is a transit where Saturn first dipped into Aquarius in about March or April of 2020 for a brief period of time. So here's your fourth house, there's Saturn, there's Aquarius. So that initial brief like two or three month dip of Saturn into Aquarius happened at the same time as the Mars Saturn conjunction. So for some people it was kind of like a difficult period or a crisis period in the area of either their home and living situation or um, their relationship with their parents or in their parents' lives in general. So eventually Saturn retrograded back out into Capricorn for the second most of the second half of 2020 and then it came back into Aquarius fully I believe around December of 2020 and it's been there uh, for basically the entirety of the past year. So part of what's important about that is the major themes that this transit is about, since Saturn's already like halfway through Aquarius at this point, most of those fourth house themes have probably already started to come up and you're probably already dealing with them in your life in some ways. So some people, so this is not like new to you, it's just the continuation and eventually the wrapping up over the course of the next year of some of these major themes in terms of your fourth house. So for some people, Saturn transits through the fourth, it can be surmountable difficulties in terms of your home and your living situation or in terms of your relationship with your parents. So there can be some issues that come up, but it's like that cliche, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger type scenario where through great effort and like pushing and working through something, you're eventually able to overcome it, even though it was something that was like long and laborious and you you didn't necessarily want to do, but you sort of felt an obligation to do it in this area of your life. So there's that scenario, and especially for those of you with day charts, I think you would have a more constructive version of that where it just has to do with putting in effort, putting in the work in terms of your home and living situation and parents and private life, and then eventually coming out the other side of it stronger and with a better foundation as a result. So restructuring your foundations in this area is one of the major themes. Now, there is another scenario where sometimes Saturn can indicate an area where there's a insurmountable difficulty where Saturn puts up a stop sign and says that you cannot proceed further with the path that you've been taking in this specific area of your life up to this point, in which case you basically just have to pick a different path and start heading in a different direction, which you may not be super happy about or super excited about, but a good thing to remember is just in the long term, sometimes Saturn, when it closes one door on one area of our life, it can end up opening up another door down the line, which 
we don't see it first because we can only just see the experience of having that first door sort of closed when it comes to that relationship or that situation in terms of our living situation. And we can't initially see that that somewhat negative subjective experience is happening in order to uh, send us on a path that will provide us with other opportunities in the future. But I think it's good to just keep in mind that that's a, a very likely scenario and possibility when it comes to this transit. So Saturn's going to be moving its way through the second half of Aquarius and wrapping that transit up. And eventually Saturn will depart from Aquarius and move into Pisces in March of 2023. So this is really the last year of this Saturn transit through your fourth house. Um, all right. So other things related to Saturn. I think there is going to be a Mars-Saturn conjunction that's coming up where there could be um, a quickening and an acuteness to some of the Saturn issues through your fourth house, especially for those of you with day charts. It's a little bit of a repetition of the Mars-Saturn conjunction that we had back in April of 2020, March and April of 2020. So it goes exact starting uh, on April 4th and 5th, as we can see in this graph from Archetypal Explorer, where it shows the sort of configuration peaking in intensity at that time around the beginning of April. However, the transit really begins on March 6th, as soon as Mars moves into Aquarius, because that's when it moves into your fourth house of home and living situation and parents. And that transit is not complete until Mars departs from that sign uh, April 14th and moves into Pisces. So, as I said before, Mars transits can um, sometimes just quicken the pace of events and make you focus on that area of your life and put much more energy and work into it. In this case, either into your home and living situation or towards your parents during this time. But sometimes with a Mars-Saturn conjunction, it can feel like two opposite energies that are pulling us in entirely different directions, which can cause sometimes a lot of tension and a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress in that area of our life for a, a short period of time of about a month or a month and a half. So um, for some of you, this is going to be felt like more of an acute period where there could be um, the need to take some sort of decisive action in order to figure out how to move forward. So decisive action is one of Mars, Mars's more constructive traits. In other scenarios, it could be a period in which some of those themes of um, of anger or of strife or discord because be, could become more prominent in terms of your home and living situation. You could get into a fight with your parents or have some sort of falling out, or maybe they just have something going on in their life that's sort of independent of you, but that's still being reflected in your chart. Um, in general, it's just good to be cautious and to exercise caution and restraint during this time, especially during the course of the Mars transit, so that you don't do anything that you regret later on and that you take actions that are very deliberate. Um, so that you know what you're doing and you know what the outcome is going to be, rather than just shooting from the hip and sort of asking questions later, which may be part of the impulse when you're having a Mars transit through the, the fourth house. All right, so that's relevant. The other thing that's relevant in terms of your Saturn transit that I wanted to mention is Saturn has been squaring Uranus off and on 
over the course of the past year. We had three exact squares of Uranus in 2021, and that was one of the primary astrological signatures of last year. However, as we can see from on this graph from Archetypal Explorer, the Saturn-Uranus square is going to come back and get extremely close again in the third quarter of 2022, peaking around September and October of 2022. So this square between Saturn and Uranus is Saturn transiting your fourth house of home and family and living situation in your private life, and Uranus, which has been transiting your seventh house of relationships and partnership and other people in your life in general. So there's some sort of tension here between your home life and your relationship life um, that may be coming to a head during this period. Now, we've already seen some of this tension come out over the course of the past year, so it shouldn't necessarily be something new. Um, it could just be a continuation and the sort of conclusion and resolution of some themes that you've already been riding out over the course of 2021 in terms of tensions between your fourth house and your seventh house. Um, but Uranus sometimes, especially this year, it's going to get uh, activated and emphasized by the fact that eclipses are starting to take place in your seventh house of relationships, which is going to accentuate and really put more of the spotlight on your seventh house of relationships. So Uranus itself has been transiting through Taurus for the past few years, and this can sometimes bring somewhat radical, somewhat unexpected uh, changes when it comes to your seventh house of relationships and partnership, either in terms of your orientation towards relationships or in terms of things that are happening in your partner's life if you have a long-term relationship of some sort. If you don't, sometimes Uranus transits and especially eclipses can bring a new relationship into your life unexpectedly, although um, with Uranus, sometimes things can be very erratic or, or somewhat up and down. So in the fourth quarter especially, I would pay attention to some potential for tensions between your fourth house of your home and living situation and parents and private life and your seventh house of relationships. But this really brings me into something that's going to be happening off and on in terms of the eclipses all year and that I wanted to touch on next, which is this year we have a set of uh, two pairs of eclipses that are going to be bouncing back and forth between the signs of Taurus and Scorpio, which is your first house of self and body and mind, and your seventh house of relationships partnership, marriage, and other people in your life. So we talked about the seventh house earlier. That's where some of the eclipses are going to take place, and your first house of self is where the other eclipses are going to take place. So my primary keyword for eclipses is they tend to indicate major beginnings and major endings. And some of the most positive and negative things that happen in a person's life tend to be uh, foreshadowed by eclipses that happen shortly before those events take place. So when it comes to eclipses in the seventh house, sometimes that can indicate the beginning of major relationships. And then what happens is you spend the next year or the next six months bouncing back and forth between um, being in a relationship and sort of finding out what it takes in terms of giving your energy to another person and the sort of give and take of what it means to be in a partnership with that person and have them involved as an integral part in your life, versus trying to balance that out and seesawing back and forth with your first house and 
um, figuring out what you need in your life, becoming more clear about your own personal identity and sense of self and selfhood, who you are, how you appear to the world, and how you wish to present yourself to the world, and finding some sort of balance between those two areas, which can be kind of tough. And I usually see it as something as as like a process that a person goes back and forth through at different points during the course of a year in which they have eclipses going back and forth like this, where during some parts of the year, they'll put more emphasis on one side, and on other parts of the year, they'll put more emphasis on the other side. So sometimes you'll be emphasizing more yourself, and other times you'll be emphasizing more relationships. So major beginnings, major endings when it comes to self and relationships. If you're in a long-term relationship, sometimes that can indicate if the relationship has started to wind down or if it's not working out for you for some reason, it can indicate the end of a major relationship or perhaps just the end of one major chapter in your relationship and the beginning of a new chapter. So sometimes in a long-term relationship, this can be about needing to start some sort of new beginning when it comes to relationships in your life. Um, which will then carry f- carry forward for many years into the future. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on with Uranus. Let's see. Besides the eclipses, Uranus, Saturn. I think that's that's pretty good. I mean, some of the need for liberation and change indicated by Uranus. Because one of the things is a lot of the eclipses, at least two of them, are very closely tied in with Uranus and are going to be activating that transit in your seventh house this year. So there could be some need for liberation, some unexpected disruptions, or just an impulse to do things differently and a need to like shake things up and maybe spice things up when it comes to relationships in some way. Um, yeah, let me show the dates for the eclipses. That's what I'm forgetting. So the first set of eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio are going to take place between April 30th and May 16th. And then the second set of eclipses are going to take place October 25th and then November 8th. So that gives you some time frames in terms of the eclipses, uh, and each of them initiate a six-month, they sort of bookend a six-month chapter. So it's not that everything happens right away as soon as an eclipse takes place usually, but instead when an eclipse happens in a certain part of your chart, it usually opens up a whole six-month window from that point forward where the topics of that house are then activated in some way. So again, activating your seventh house of relationships and your first house of self. All right. So the last thing that I wanted to mention is the Mars retrograde transit, which is going to take place in Gemini this year in your eighth house of other people's money, finances, mortality, um, the assets of other others. Sometimes it can indicate inheritance or debt, or taxes, or other things like that. Um, This transit is going to begin around August 20th when Mars moves into the sign of Gemini. And the transit and some of the situations or scenarios surrounding it are going to start building up slowly at that point. So Mars transits through the 8th house can sometimes indicate a period in which you're putting a lot of energy into um, other people's money and developing money in concert with somebody else, like either a a marriage or relationship partner or potentially a business partner in some instances. Um, But this is going to be a period where 
things are sort of moving forward, but then all of a sudden Mars slows down and it will turn around and do a U-turn in Gemini and station retrograde on October 30th. There it is. October 30th is the Mars station. And at this time, sometimes like Mars significations become much more intense. And there's some sort of turning point with respect to activities that are going on that had been building up since August, but come to some sort of culmination at that point when Mars turns around and starts retracing its steps through the sign of Gemini. So sometimes this can bring up more challenging Mars-related significations related to things like strife or uh, difficulty or fights and conflict when it comes to uh, financial matters involving other people. Um, since the eighth house is also the house of mortality, sometimes issues related to mortality can come up, which can include topics like inheritance and potentially um, like a fight or a conflict involving an inheritance, if that's something that you're expecting for some reason. Um, in general, just ideas surrounding um, your own mortality and longevity, as well as those of others around you, can sometimes become more of a focal point during the course of a long-term eighth house transit like this, which will last for, I think, at least six months. Because even though it starts in August, the Mars retrograde period itself doesn't begin until October 30th. Then it's going to be retrograde for a while, and then eventually um, it's going to station direct and eventually won't actually leave Gemini until sometime early in 2023. So this is kind of a long, drawn-out transit that will happen towards the end of the year, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to highlight it as one of my major transits for you this year, because I think it's going to be one of the more notable ones that's up there on my list, along with the Jupiter transits um, through your fifth and sixth houses and the Venus and Saturn transits, as well as the eclipses. But I think that's it in terms of major transits. Let me go through my diagrams really quickly and make sure I didn't forget or leave anything out. But I think we're in pretty good shape and this is looking pretty good. So those are, for the most part, your transits for the entire year of 2022. So good luck and let me know how it goes, and I'll see you again in 2023. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. So as always, this was just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year-ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own, which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or 
in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast. So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over 100 hours of video lectures. Uh, it shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice. And it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, in the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 Electional Astrology Report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of electional astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. All right, so that, that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022, and may the stars be ever in your favor. All right, Sagittarius, you lovable goofballs, let's jump into your transits for 2022 and see what the stars have in store for you. So here's a transit chart that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the year and where they will end up by the end of the year. So I want to start by talking about the Venus retrograde transit in Capricorn in your second house of finances, which actually started late last year in December of 2021 when Venus went retrograde in the sign of Capricorn later in the month, conjunct Pluto. But this transit is actually going to continue on into the first couple of months of 2022 because it's not until uh, like March, March 6th, actually, that Venus finally leaves Capricorn and exits your second house when it moves into Aquarius. So as a result of that, um, we're going to continue to see a lot of activity connected with this Venus retrograde transit all the way through early March. So the second house is the house of finances, possessions, and income. Um, here it is in the transit chart. There's second house, there's Venus. Venus is going retrograde, which means it's doing a U-turn and then walking backwards through your second house before it eventually stations direct and starts going forward. Uh, that looks kind of messy, so I'm going to clean that up a little bit. There we go. So Venus retrogrades in your second house. For some of you, especially those of you with night charts, this can be a relatively positive period when it comes to financial matters where you could see an increase of income or you could go back and start rethinking things and renegotiating re some of your social relationships in a way that you figure out how to make more money or increase your income in some way. So for some of you, um, this could be a little bit intense, especially for those of you with day charts, because Saturn stationed or, or sorry, Venus stationed retrograde conjunct the planet Pluto. And Pluto can be kind of an intense planet that can indicate um, issues surrounding control, power plays, manipulation. It can also represent sometimes the sort of darker aspects of society or the sort of metaphorical underworld in some way. So some, somehow some of these financial matters be, may be wrapped up in that, which could be a little tricky to navigate. But for some of you, uh, especially those of you with night charts, if you navigate it successfully, it could indicate 
revising this part of your life in order to increase your assets and just come into a better sense of earning power financially during this time. Um, there could be some relationship things surrounding relation uh, surrounding money or relationship issues surrounding money that you might want to be careful about because there can be issues of control and manipulation involving your finances. So you might want to be a little bit careful about that in terms of the conjunction with Pluto. Additionally, in late January, uh, the planet Mars is going to ingress into the sign of Capricorn on January 24th. And that's going to stay there for about a month all the way until March 6th. So when Mars goes into Capricorn, on the one hand, this can be a period of increased focus and activity where you're much more um, just energized and focused on doing what it takes in order to increase your income. Sometimes it means you have to work harder and put in longer hours during this time in order to make more money. But in the end, it can pay off as long as you get in and do the work during this time. So that's the positive side of the transit, especially for those of you with night charts. For those of you with day charts, Mars transits can sometimes be a little bit more tricky and a little bit more challenging because Mars um, it can heat things up and make things move faster so that the pace of things quickens. But it can also uh, be an irritating or inflaming sort of signification or influence, quote unquote, as well. Which can bring things like strife or um, fighting or conflict or even severing and separation when it comes to financial matters. So, you might want to be careful about uh, conflict or fighting over financial matters. Be careful because traditionally, Mars in the second house can be one of the traditional associations of like a, a drop in income or a loss of money through things like theft. Or in some instances, for example, when people have Mars. Prominently placed in the second house natally, it can indicate people who spend money too impulsively or too freely and end up putting themselves in a bad financial situation as a result of expenditures. So there's a whole range of scenarios for that. So don't necessarily want to freak anyone out because there's the constructive end of the spectrum, which could be just like putting more money into more energy into making money. And there's the negative end of the spectrum that could be. Um, you know, having some major conflict involving your finances during this one month period. But it's just good to be aware of that because it seems like in the first quarter, financial matters are one of the main focuses for you. And so if you're forewarned, then you're sort of forearmed in terms of being able to navigate some of the, these things more successfully than you might otherwise if you were completely caught off guard. All right. So that's one of the Initial transits I wanted to talk about. The next one I want to talk about is Jupiter ingressing into the sign of Pisces, which is your fourth house of your home, your family, your living situation, and your private life. So Jupiter is the planet of growth, expansion, optimism, um, and lots of positive things, basically. And it's going into your fourth house of home and family and living situation, which should be a relatively positive period in terms of your living situation where you may move to a new place or improve basically your living situation overall at this time. So for some people that will be getting a new place and sort of moving up in the world in terms of their living situation. For others it could be something as simple as like remodeling or redecorating, redesigning or expanding their home in some way. Doing something to improve your living situation during this time would be a great use of this energy, 
because it's all about just an expansion and improvement of one's private life, since the fourth house is the the most hidden part of the chart opposite to the tenth house, which is one's public life and one's career and overall life direction and reputation. So the focus here is on sort of going within and doing what it takes to improve things in terms of your private life. Um, The other fourth house thing that's relevant is sometimes parents and family. So uh, if you've previously had some challenges in terms of your relationship with your parents, this could be a good uh, period to try to um, patch things up a little bit or improve that relationship. Or in some instances, Jupiter transits through the fourth house can just be something positive happening in your parents' life quite independent of you, but that just happens to be reflected in your chart so that you're seeing an echo of your parents going through a relatively positive time during that period. Now, one thing that we do have to be a little bit careful about is that um, at one point during this transit, Jupiter is going to catch up to and conjoin the planet Neptune uh, around April 12th. So there it is on the Archetypal Explorer transit graph. It peaks on April 12th when Jupiter conjoins Neptune. So Jupiter's the planet of growth and expansion. Neptune is more of an illusory planet, which indicates illusions. Um, Sometimes it can indicate deception. Um, But generally speaking, it can be a relatively positive uh, influence, which can indicate that you're going through a period where things look kind of ideal. So in terms of your home and living situation, um, this could be a period where if you have creative impulses, it could be a good period to really redesign things and create your kind of ideal living situation aesthetically. Um, However, one thing I would advise you is if you end up setting some sort of new arrangement in terms of your home and living situation, just be clear to sort of dot all your I's and cross all of your T's when it comes to any contracts or agreements that take place with respect to your home and living situation at this time. That also extends to any arrangements with your parents, because sometimes Neptune transits can be deceptive, and there can be things that look one way initially when you walk into it, but then uh, once you really get into it, it turns out that things were quite different than what you were told at the beginning. So be a little bit careful for issues involving deception or things that are misleading or illusory during this time when it comes to your fourth house transits during the first four months or so especially of this year. All right, so that's one of the Jupiter transits this year. The other Jupiter transit this year is that starting on May 10th, Jupiter is going to depart from Pisces and it's going to move into the sign of Aries and into your fifth house. So the fifth house is one of the more positive houses. It's the house associated with Venus. And in ancient astrology, it's said to be the place of good fortune. So the fifth house is traditionally associated with things like children, uh, both your own children, if you ever have any, as well as just other people's children and the idea of children around you, but also things like creativity, pleasure. And the fifth house also has to do with sex and sexuality, as well as just your orientation towards that topic in general. So Jupiter is the greater benefic. It's the planet of growth and expansion. So typically, a Jupiter transit through the fifth house can indicate a period of growth and expansion and success uh, in these fifth house topics during this time for especially the second half of the year, because Jupiter is going to be transiting through Aries from about May 10th through October 28th. 
then it's going to retrograde out for about a month and then come back from December 20th through May of 2023. So this is really like a two-parter transit, and we're going to get the first half of it this year in 2022 and the second half in 2023. So um, for those of you that want to have children or are planning on having children, having a Jupiter transit go through the fifth house is one of the classic um, good periods in order to have children in which a person could conceive or have a baby, for example. For those of you that have had maybe any challenges having children or conceiving, this can be a good time to seek sort of treatment with that or to uh, you know attempt to have children in terms of there being some periods that are more successful or less successful for those things. So it's a good thing to to try or make an attempt for if that's something that you want. Um, other times, the topic of children can just become more important in some ways in your life. For example, if you work with children as part of your work, and it can be a relatively positive period. I know, for example, there's a children's book author that has a stellium in the fifth house, so the topic of children partially manifests through her work of writing children's books. Um, other things, creativity. Jupiter transits through the fifth house if you have any sort of creative or artistic impulses can be great for creativity and learning new techniques and starting to express yourself more openly when it comes to your art and your creative impulses. So it can be a great uh, period for expressing yourself and initiating new projects um, in order to do that in a more open and a more um, large and sort of out there fashion. Finally, the fifth house is the house of sex and sexuality. So in terms of this, it can just be a very pleasant time for sort of like romantic arrangements, uh, different trysts like that, and sort of um, especially short-term relationships, but generally that which brings you pleasure in life, which can include sexual relationships, but also things like leisurely activities or what you do for fun can be experienced as more prominent or more fun during this time, and you can find more success and sort of uh, relaxation in those things during this part of the year more than other years. So it can be a, a good thing for all of those sort of all across the board. All right, so those are the Jupiter transits. Now I want to talk a little bit about the Saturn transits because we're having the um, second half of Saturn's transit through the sign of Aquarius, which is your third house, which has to do with communication, siblings, short-distance travel, and education. The third house can also indicate your neighborhood, as well as extended family and relatives like aunts and uncles and cousins. So here's your third house, and there's that Saturn transit. So Saturn's been going through your third house. It started initially, it dipped in for just a few months from March or April of 2020, and then it retrograded out, and then it came back about a year ago in December of 2020, and it's been in Aquarius for the past year. So Saturn can bring up some surmountable difficulties or sometimes some obstacles or setbacks when it comes to this area of your life, either pertaining to communication or education or um, your siblings or something involving short-distance travel like your car or getting around your neighborhood or sometimes interactions with um, neighbors or cousins or other relatives. So Saturn transits tend to be a little bit restrictive and can indicate some problems sometimes when this this air in this area. So sometimes these can be surmountable difficulties. So it's like something that comes up that's annoying um, that you don't want to deal with, but you're sort of forced to deal with. But if you push through it and you work on it, eventually you come out the other side a little bit stronger as a result. 
So that's the sort of best case scenario when it comes to this transit, especially for some of you with uh, day charts, uh, where Saturn tends to be more constructive. For those of you with night charts, or if um, you're experiencing the more challenging part of this transit, sometimes Saturn can put up a roadblock or like a stop sign where it says, there's something about this area of your life where you've been doing something, but you cannot proceed further on this path. And instead, you have to just go a different direction and go down another path. And that door has been sort of closed off to you. But um, one of the things about Saturn transits when it does that is even though you don't typically see it at the time, usually when Saturn closes one door for you that's in front of you on your path, what it's doing is it's also opening another door that it's forcing you to go down in a different path, but you just can't see it until you get there. So that's my sort of advice about this, where even if Saturn shuts off something in terms of the direction that your life was headed up to this point when it comes to this area, just know that in most instances, it's closing that door so it'll open another. So that can be challenges in the workplace, challenges with siblings, surmountable difficulties when it comes to short distance travel or neighbors or communication or other things like that. Um, but try to identify if it's one of those things that you can push through and it's a surmountable difficulty, or if it's just one of those things that you cannot get through and you have to just sort of take the loss and move forward in another area. That's some of my advice. So that's going to become more acute. Some of the issues with that Saturn transit are going to become more acute, especially in early April when Mars ingresses into Aquarius and makes a conjunction with Saturn in that sign in your third house. So this transit actually begins back on March 6th as soon as Mars moves into Aquarius, and then it peaks at that time around April 4th and 5th when Mars exactly conjoins Saturn. And then eventually this transit will end um, April 14th when Mars departs from Aquarius and moves into Pisces. So with Mars transits, it may speed up the pace of communication or other uh, energy that you have to expend when it comes to the, the third house topics of short distance travel, communication, siblings, neighbors, etc. So there may be more interactions with those people or having to do a lot more things during this time. Um, sometimes though, when Mars and Saturn meet up and conjoin, it can feel like two different energies that are pulling you in opposite directions, which can sometimes indicate a period in which there's a lot of tension and a lot of anxiety in this part of your life for a brief period of time for about a month or a month and a half. Um, in some instances with Mars transits, of course, there can be issues of strife or separation or conflict when it comes to this area. So it could be an area in which Mars going through your third house can make you get into some sort of verbal altercation or some sort of argument with somebody. It could be a sibling, it could be a neighbor, it could be an extended relative. The third house is also the place just generally of communication. So one of the things you want to do is be careful um, to watch yourself and not say anything impulsively uh, in the heat of the moment that you might regret afterwards, because sometimes that can lead to a major falling out or a separation of somebody in your life that's important to you, including the third house is also one of the places of friendship besides the 11th house. So just um, try to pay a little bit more attention during this time not to do anything impulsive that you might regret afterwards. Since the third house is also short distance travel, like driving in your car, that can also be something as simple as 
you know, don't speed or do anything impulsive or reckless during this time because that could result in like getting in an accident or something like that or getting a ticket, which you might regret later. So running into problems with short distance travel. Um, all right. So the other thing I need to bring up, which is tied in potentially with the Saturn transit, is that we're getting the very last phase of Saturn squaring Uranus this year, especially in the September and October timeframe around the third quarter of 2022. So this is a continuation of a transit that we already had three exact passes of in 2021. So it's something that has already been ongoing and has largely played itself out for the most part in our life. But there's going to be one more major wave of this, which occurs in the third quarter around September and October. So I've already talked about Saturn transiting the third house, and it's squaring Uranus, which is in your sixth house of work and health. So it's indicating some sort of potential tension between these two areas of your life, between the sector of your chart that has to do with communication, short distance travel, neighbors, siblings, and this other sector that has to do with work and health matters. So Uranus has been transiting through your sixth house over the past few years now, since I think about 2018 or so. And Uranus transits can sometimes indicate major unexpected changes, um, radical departures from the norm, and sort of um, upsets of things going like up and down somewhat rapidly or somewhat unexpectedly. So for some of you, if this was happening in the workplace, it could it could coincide with um, sudden starts and stops of different jobs, of having unique um, job changes or getting involved in unexpected work situations that um, are sort of unprecedented compared to what you were doing up to this point. Uh, going into this period. Um, Uranus transits can also indicate disruptions when it comes to the workplace, so like unexpectedly starting a job or getting fired from a job. Uranus transits through the six can also pertain to health issues, so there can be unexpected things coming up with respect to your health and physical constitution and having to deal with or address different things that come up as Uranus is going through that house. And Some of these things may be creating tensions this year with the communication sector of your chart and the other third house things. So that's a little ambiguous, but one of the reasons why I bring it up is because we're going to start an eclipse series. We've actually recently already started an eclipse series where the eclipses this year are going to be bouncing back and forth between your sixth house in Taurus and your twelfth house in Scorpio. And This is one of the last things I wanted to mention. So there's four eclipses this year, and they're going to keep bouncing back and forth between your sixth house and your twelfth house. So the first set of eclipses is late April and early May, and the second set of eclipses is late October through early November. So this is taking place in your sixth and twelfth house. The sixth house, as I said previously, is primarily health and work. And the twelfth house, though, is a little bit more tricky. Traditionally, it can have to do with things like enemies or people that you don't get along with. It can pertain to um, long-term ailments or sometimes like mental health. The twelfth house can also pertain to seclusion and isolation and this feeling of needing to pull back from the world a little bit. So I think what part of this is is that for for you guys with Sagittarius rising, the eclipses over the past 
year and a half or almost two years now have been in your first house and your seventh house. And so there's been a lot of relationship activity um, through the eclipses in your seventh house. There's been a lot of development and growth in terms of your sense of selfhood and your personality from the first house eclipses. But those have been more social type eclipses happening in the social houses, which has been having you form a lot of different types of relationships and like interact with other people a lot. But what's happening this year with the eclipses moving into this axis is that this tends to be, especially the 12th house, tends to be a little bit more reclusive and more about pulling back a little bit and being a little bit less social, but instead seeking um, regeneration both physically and mentally through isolation and by sometimes pulling back into yourself in order to find yourself again and to sort of recharge your own spirit maybe one of the themes during the course of this year. So sometimes people try to address um, physical health things that may have come up or that they may have been putting off for a while that they've needed to address but have just been not getting to it. Those can sometimes be things that you need to start addressing when sixth house eclipses start taking place. Um, additionally, when 12th house eclipses start taking place, that can be needing to address sort of more like mental health issues that you've been letting go. Uh, other possibilities is the 12th house can sometimes have to do with um, what they traditionally said was enemies, but it can also just be people you don't get along with or people that undermine you. Now, sometimes people that undermine you are people that just like don't like you for some reason because there's certain people in our lives that we just don't get along with sometimes. Other times, the 12th house can have to do with the ways in which we undermine ourselves in different ways or do things that are not are within our own best interest. So one of the things you might think about this year is like are there any things that I could do better in order to help help myself out and not undermine myself either deliberately or accidentally. That's one of the sort of like meditations that you might want to have this year in order to see if there's any things that you'd really like to improve about yourself that have been long-running things that you've always meant to improve but have never focused on or spent a lot of time doing, and this might be a good idea to do that or a good time to do that. All right, so those are some of the eclipses that are taking place during the course of this year. The last thing that I wanted to mention and talk about a little bit here is there's going to be a Mars retrograde transit in the second half of this year in Gemini. Which, for those of you with Sagittarius rising, Gemini is your seventh house of relationships. So Mars is going to go retrograde in your seventh house of relationships. As I said earlier, with the Mars transits, sometimes this can be just like putting a lot more work into this area of your life of relationships. So this this transit starts August twentieth, as soon as Mars goes into the sign of Gemini. But then there's this real turning point and real period of intensification around October 30th. And that's the point at which Mars does this U-turn and it stops in the middle of the sky or in the middle of the zodiac. And then it does a U-turn and it starts walking backwards and retracing its step for several weeks. So um, a Mars transit through the seventh house can be putting more emphasis on relationships, more energy. Um, Sometimes there can be um, issues that come up in relationships that require us to take decisive action. 
And so sometimes during the course of a Mars retrograde transit in the seventh house, you may find yourself having to take decisive action when it comes to relationships where you feel like things have gotten bogged down and somebody needs to do something, and it will end up being left up to you to make a choice about how to go forward and what direction to take. So that's in some of the more constructive scenarios. Some of the more challenging scenarios are typical Mars-type things that have to do with like conflict in relationships or strife in relationships or having a falling out or a severing or separating type experience when it comes to relationships. So sometimes people can experience a breakup if they're already in a long-term relationship, if there's certain things that they've needed to work out that haven't been worked out up to this point, you could hit sort of a wall or a breaking point where you just can't proceed further and decide to go your own separate ways. Um, Sometimes Mars transits through the seventh house can bring a Marshall-type figure or a Mars-type figure into your life who sort of cajoles you into doing something or heading in a specific direction that you might not have gone otherwise. Um, So sometimes that can be a little bit irritating, but ultimately necessary because it's pushing you in a direction that's probably ultimately important for your overall growth, even if it's not something you initially sort of appreciated when they were playing that role at first. Um, Overall, though, this is a transit that While it gets going in the later part of 2022, it doesn't really wrap up until the early part of 2023, so we're going to see a continuation of this story that just starts in the second half of 2022, Um, but it has to do with just for some reason the heightened focus and activity on relationships in the second half of the year. All right, so I think those are the main things that I wanted to touch on. Let me just go through and make sure that there weren't any graphs that I didn't show or things that I meant to mention or talk about. There's the Venus retrograde, Saturn square, Uranus. All right, I think that's it. So those are the major themes that I wanted to touch on um, for your horoscope and your year ahead forecast for 2022. So good luck, uh, and I'll see you again in 2023. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. So as always, this was just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, Additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own, which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast. So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over 100 hours of video lectures, 
Uh, it shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice. And it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, in the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 electional astrology report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of electional astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. All right, so that, that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022, and may the stars be ever in your favor. All right, Capricorn, let's get into your astrological transits for 2022. So let's start by looking at the transit chart, which shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the year and how far through the signs of the zodiac they'll get by the end of the year. The first transit that I really want to start with, which we begin with at the very top of the year, is the Venus retrograde cap Venus retrograde transit in Capricorn, which is taking place in your first house of self and mind and body. So the first house, here's a chart that shows the significations of this the first, which include uh, not just body and mind, but also one's character and one's appearance. So um, a Venus retrograde transit in the first house can sometimes indicate a period in which you go through uh, a period of revisions in terms of thinking about your appearance and how you present yourself to the world. So sometimes this can be a period of introspection or reflection. Um, this transit did begin actually towards the end of last year in December of 2021 when Venus actually first went retrograde in the sign of Capricorn conjunct Pluto. But it's a transit that's not going to be over until early March when uh, eventually Venus will depart from the sign of Capricorn for the final time. So here we see it there, departing from Capricorn on March 6th. So we still have a ways to go, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start with this transit. So um, Venus stationed retrograde conjunct the planet Pluto. So there may have been some incident that sort of set this off or triggered this period of introspection or self-reflection for you that was maybe a little bit tricky or not very positive, because uh, Pluto can represent very intense interactions and sometimes power dynamics between people. So sometimes this can be about relationship things like a tense love relationship or romantic relationship where there's issues of like control or power or sometimes domination involved. Um, but for you, it may have set off some sort of period of introspection in terms of thinking about what you need in relationships and better identifying your sense of self, uh, appearance, but also character and how you want to present yourself to the world. And in some instances, ways that you can improve the way that you present yourself, not just in terms of you know basic physical appearance type things, although that and having some sort of makeover is sometimes um, in the purview of a Venus retrograde transit, but sometimes it has more to do just with um, character traits that you have and maybe things about yourself from your past that you 
always wanted to work on and improve in order to present yourself more effectively or in a way that's more reflective of who you are internally as a person, but that you've never put a lot of effort into, this would be a good time to do that now. So sometimes um, the first house can also relate to the physical body. So there can be things that we want to improve physically about our health or just our day-to-day functioning in terms of our physical vitality. And this can be a good time to focus on that and try to improve some health-related things, get into new uh, diet or exercise regimes and things like that in order to um, improve their overall functioning of our physical body. So some of this is going to be heightened, and we're going to see an increase in the intensity and the speed of events with respect to some of this transit in late January when the planet Mars ingresses into Capricorn and into your first house where it will join Venus. So this is kind of important because Mars tends to speed up the pace of events whenever it ingresses into a new house. So some of the first house themes that we were just talking about with Venus will suddenly gain more focus, more intensity, and the pace of things will start to quicken. So this may be a period in which you just find yourself having to work a lot more, having to expend more energy and more effort doing things, like maybe a major project of some sort. And um, that can be okay. It can be actually a very productive period, especially for those of you with night charts. I think some of these transits are going to be pretty smooth and pretty constructive. Um, For those of you with day charts, the ingress of Mars into your first house can be a period in which some of the Mars energy can become a little bit too much and can kind of bubble over and indicate a period in which you could be more irritable than normal. Um, You could become more argumentative psychologically or more um, prickly than usual. So you might want to be careful about the potential for getting into needless conflicts or um, being too divisive in some way, especially if it's uncalled for in a given situation. So Mars transits can also t- coincide with um, themes of conflict, strife, separation. Since the first house represents not just your mind and your character, but also your physical body, sometimes we have to exercise a little bit of extra caution during Mars transits to the first house because we can tend to act a little bit more impulsively without thinking first. And sometimes when we do that, it can open us up to um, accidents and basically taking actions where we're not thinking things through or we move too quickly or too fast and we accidentally get ourselves into a situation that we later regret or, or that we would have avoided if we had thought it out a little bit first. So try to be a little bit careful during this time period of late January through early March when Mars is transiting through your first house. So that transit ends on March 6th when Mars and Venus both simultaneously on the same day exit from Capricorn and move into the sign of Aquarius. So that's the first transit I wanted to focus on because it lasts for the first two or three months of the year. The next transit I wanted to move on to talking about is Jupiter has recently moved into Pisces, which is your third house. And it's going to be transiting through your third house for the first three or four months of 2022. So the third house represents things like siblings, short distance travel, education, but also communication. So a Jupiter transit through your third house can be 
a great time to improve the way that you communicate and express yourself to the world. So it can be a period in which you learn new communication styles, in which you find more effective ways to, to communicate your thoughts and internal feelings. You may take on new communicating um, sort of methods or like modes of social media or things like that and find yourself being particularly active and successful in those areas at this time. Um, it can also be a good time for improving things in terms of your relationship with certain third house uh, characters or parties. So the third house represents people like siblings, so improving your relationship with your siblings if you have any. It can also represent um, extended relatives like aunts and uncles and cousins, uh, or it can also represent neighbors, like people either that you live with who are in a neighbor relationship to you or that are in your neighborhood sort of outside of your house but in your general vicinity or in your city. So it can in indicate a period in which some of those interactions are more positive or more fortuitous for some reason over the course of the first several months of this year. Uh, the last thing is um, the only thing to be a little bit careful about when it comes to this transit is that Jupiter is actually going to conjoin Neptune in early April uh, in the sign of Pisces. That's actually going to go exact on April 12th. And that can be a little bit tricky because sometimes um, Neptune transits can be really um, enjoyable subjectively in terms of having this illusory quality that makes things look kind of like a fairy tale or look very ideal. So for you, for example, if you were trying to communicate something that had a sort of like magic to it or a sort of creative flair to it, for example, if you were doing creative writing or if you were writing about like fantasy worlds or something like that, um, that could actually be a really great transit for that. The ability to communicate and convey something that is somewhat illusory or to paint a very vivid picture in terms of your third house communication style during this time. Um, the downside is that Neptune can sometimes be uh, a little bit deceptive where um, things can be not quite what they seem or not what they're what not like what they initially seemed at first, but instead can come off as like being really great, but then you get to the other side of the transit and you think you realize that things were not quite as positive as they were initially conveyed. So um, that could be something where you're, in terms of communication, you want to be careful that you don't have any issues with being deceived in terms of your communication during this time, especially around the time of that conjunction, but also in terms of your interactions with third house figures like siblings, um, neighbors, or extended family and relatives. Just make sure um, if you enter into any agreements during this time that you aren't being deceived in some way, even if accidentally somebody may present something to you which um, you need to read, sort of dot all your I's and cross all of your T's, especially if you're signing any contracts or anything during this time, since sometimes Neptune's sort of deceptiveness can be overt and deliberate, but other times it can be something where it's just a matter of you not being clear and having a misunderstanding when you're going into some contract. So for that reason, it's a good idea to be a little bit careful and just pay, pay attention and make sure that you're being extra clear about things during this time. 
All right. So that transit of Jupiter through Pisces is happening. Um, it started in December, late December of 2021, and it's going to last all the way until May 10th when Jupiter moves into Aries. So there will be a one-month period towards the end of the year where Jupiter will retrograde back into Pisces, and some of that energy will come back between October 28th and December 20th. But the main thrust of it really is in the first uh, four months, basically, of this year, of 2022. So I want to move on next and talk about what happens after Jupiter leaves Pisces that actually moves into the sign of Aries, which is your fourth house of home, family, parents, and your private life opposite to your 10th house, which is like your career and your public life. So here's your fourth house, which is Aries. Um, Jupiter transits through Aries and through the fourth house can be a great time for improving or sort of sprucing up your home and living situation. So if things have been rocky in terms of your home and living situation for the past little bit, this can indicate a, a several month period in which things are suddenly much more bright or much more optimistic. Jupiter is the planet of growth and expansion, but also the confirmation of good things. So sometimes it could indicate just like getting that that ideal or that dream home that you always sort of wanted, at least relative to whatever your current circumstances are at this time. In other instances, it can be about just improving whatever your current living situation is and finding ways in order to grow and develop and expand and create a, a more solid foundation in your home base. So other fourth house topics can be the family and especially the parents. So this could be a good period if you've had any challenges in terms of your family or your parents in the past to smooth things over or to improve that relationship with whatever your parental figures are, your mother or father or what have you. Um, it can also be a period where things are, could just be going relatively well or there could be something positive that happens in the lives of one or both of your parents, which then sort of we see just an echo of in your chart. So that's one of the weird things sometimes about astrology is sometimes transits to houses other than the first house represent things that are happening in the lives of those around you. So in this instance, it would be something happening in the lives of your parents or your family. So that's a pretty positive transit. It's probably one of the most positive transits you have going on this year in terms of the home and living situation. And that's really taking place primarily from May 10th through October 28th, although it's actually going to come back at the very end of the year from December 20th, and it's going to stay in Aries all the way until May of 2023. So that is a two-part transit that we are just getting the first half of essentially this year. Um, but then it'll continue on into 2023. All right, um, moving forward, we've talked about Jupiter. Next, I want to talk about Saturn, which is your ruling planet, which is transiting through the second half of Aquarius this year. And the second house is the place of finances, of possessions, and generally your income in general or your your resources in general, we could say. So Saturn has been going through your second house of finances off and on for the past couple of years. It first dipped in there around March or April of 2020, very briefly for, for two or three months, and then it retrograded out. And then finally, Saturn moved back firmly into Aquarius about a year ago in December of 2020. So we've had a full year of this transit where Saturn is 
indicating a period of consolidation and a little bit of slowing down when it comes to financial matters for you. So over the past year of most of 2021, this was balanced out by Jupiter, which was also transiting through Aquarius in your second house, which was indicating a sort of contrasting signification of growth and expansion in your second house of finances, which is helping to even out Saturn's more um, sort of pulling back and consolidating type significations. So now with Jupiter leaving and moving into Pisces, um, it sort of leaves Saturn a little bit to its own devices. So you may have to continue that process of restructuring some things when it comes to your income and comes to your, your financial outlook in general. So some people during this period just have to go through a period of learning how to do with less or not having as much abundance compared to other times in their life. But eventually, um, you know, there's there's two scenarios. There's the constructive uh, surmountable difficulty scenario where it's like something comes up where there's an obstacle that you have to overcome in terms of your financial outlook, but then through great striving and effort, you're actually able to come out on top and learn from it and improve and come out better as a result, which is one scenario, especially for those of you with day charts. Um, on the other side, sometimes there could be just some sort of roadblock or some sort of stop sign that completely stops you in your track in terms of some financial issues where you just cannot proceed further down that path and instead have to go a completely different direction where perhaps some manner of income will be cut off, some mode of income might be cut off for you for a period of time. So whatever this is, you've probably already been experiencing it off and on over the past year or two, so it's probably not something new, but instead it's something you've already been dealing with for a while and you've already got a pretty good handle on. So what we're doing now is we're just following through with the second half of this transit as Saturn moves through the second half of Aquarius and then eventually wraps things up early next year. So this transit's going to be over um, by March of 2023, when Saturn leaves Aquarius and moves into the sign of Pisces. So that gives you a sort of end date to sort of look forward to, to, to help you plan around things and maybe just give you, you know, an idea to keep in your head that there is an end point to it or a sort of light at the end of the tunnel if there have been any challenging financial issues that have come up over the past year or two. All right. So connected with that, Mars is going to conjoin Saturn in the sign of Aquarius on April 4th. And I wanted to mention this because um, this could bring some of the Saturn things that you've been experiencing in the second house of finances could become more acute during this time. So that transit will really start on March 6th as soon as Mars moves into Aquarius, which is your second house, where it will start moving towards a conjunction with Saturn. It will peak around April 4th and 5th when Mars exactly conjoins Saturn, and then eventually the transit will be over um, around the middle of the following month, around April 14th, when Mars departs from Aquarius and, and moves into Pisces. So as I talked about before, um, Mars transits sometimes just speed up or quicken the pace of events, so you may find yourself having to work a lot harder and work a lot longer hours in order to make an income during this time. 
Maybe there's a project or there's something going on that just forces you to work a lot more during this time in order to make money. Um, this can be a productive uh, transit, but sometimes it can just coincide with a lot of anxiety and a lot of tension where you feel like you're being pulled in two different directions, where there's something that there's one energy that wants you to move really fast and there's another energy that wants you to move slow. And so you're constantly going back and forth between those two and trying to find balance or moderation between the two of them, which can be difficult or, or sort of tricky. Um, so if you have to put in a lot of work during this time, just know there is an endpoint and it will only last for about a month. Um, one possibility with Mars is that Mars can always indicate periods of like strife and anxiety and separation. So you want to be careful um, about taking risky financial uh, sort of it attempts or or ventures or schemes at this time because Mars can sometimes either um, in a natal chart, for example, Mars in the second can sometimes indicate periods where a person spends too impulsively. So they spend a bunch of money impulsively and that ends up impacting them negatively as a result. So that's something you might want to be careful about during this time. Um, Mars transits can also sometimes indicate like the taking away of something. So sometimes in the second house, there can be an issue with like a loss of finances or like theft or something like that. So just be extra careful during this time because it's one of the more sensitive transits Especially um, for those of you with day charts, that Mars transit can be a little bit more tricky. Whereas for those of you with night charts, um, it'll probably be a bit more constructive of a period of time when it comes to finances. All right. So the next transit I want to mention, which is also tied in with the Saturn transit, is that um, Saturn has been squaring Uranus off and on over the course of the past year. And we already had three exact hits of that transit. The, the most recent one was towards the end of 2021. But there's going to be one more really close pass of this square between Saturn and Uranus, which is going to take place in the third quarter of the year, especially around September and October. So Uranus has been transiting through your fifth house, which is the house of children, creativity, um, pleasure, also sex and sexuality. And Uranus is kind of a liberating energy that can shake things up and bring a lot of innovation to that area of our life or a lot of unexpected changes. So there's Uranus in your fifth house, and it's squaring or creating some sort of tension between those fifth house topics and some of the second house topics having to do with money, finances, income, and possessions. So you've probably already been experiencing some of these tensions between that area of the second house of finances and the fifth house of children, uh, creativity, and sex and sexuality over the past year or so, year and a half maybe. But there's going to be one more pass of that in terms of working out whatever the tension is or the dynamic between that area. So some possibilities, for example, of tensions between the second and fifth house. I've seen things like. Um, an issue in terms of making enough money in order to support having an unexpected child, for example, and that changing the financial outlook of things in a way that was been challenging in terms of the person's finances. Or alternatively, um, having a separation in a relationship, which leads to a person um, having to pay like child support or something like that would be a delineation of second house of finances with fifth house of children. 
or maybe there's something about your creative outlook and creative impulses where you've been pursuing some sort of creative or artistic um, career, which has been very liberating and exciting for you, but it's been kind of tough financially over the past year or two as a result of that. So those are just a couple of just more specific possible delineations of this broader archetype. But I mainly just want you to think about how there may have been some tensions in those two areas of your life and ways in which you could reconcile that during the course of the year or find some sort of way to balance out those two parts of your life. So part of the reason that is important is because we're going to start seeing more activity in that sector of your chart this year due to the recent beginning of a series of eclipses in your 5th and 11th houses in the signs of Taurus and Scorpio. So let's move on and talk about those eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio in your 5th and 11th houses. So I've already mentioned the 5th house significations like children, creativity, and sexuality. The 11th house has to do with friends, groups, and alliances, as well as your hopes for the future. So eclipses are going to take place um, in those two houses and in that sector of your chart and are going to highlight those topics. And my primary keyword for eclipses is they represent great beginnings and great endings. So major beginnings and major endings when it comes to this area of your life and the topics associated with it. So for some of you, fifth house eclipses can indicate like major developments when it comes to having children. Like for example, if you've been planning on having children or if having children is a possibility, it could be the starting point for that or a new beginning could be literally like having a child. Um, if you already have children, it could be some sort of new turning point with respect to either your child's life and their overall development in life, or it could be something about a new chapter when it comes to your relationship with them at this time. Um, definitely be careful if you weren't planning on having children, not to like accidentally have children, since having an eclipse in the fifth house of children plus a Uranus transit in the fifth house could indicate like an unexpected pregnancy, for example. Um, other fifth house things could be a romantic relationship or the exploration of the topic of like sex and sexuality in a way that's new to you and sort of exciting or liberating in some way. Um, in terms of the other side of the spectrum, with the eclipses happening in the 11th house, that can be beginning a new chapter in your life for friends and uh, alliances and just groups in general. So you may find yourself either starting some major friendships or alternatively ending some major friendships because sometimes eclipses represent not just new beginnings, but also the winding down or the wrapping up of things that have reached the end of their life cycle. So if there's some friendships where they've been kind of on the rocks, then this could be a period where you see some of them drop off over the course of, of this year. Um, it could also be a good time to get involved in groups and, and sort of associate with like-minded people that have similar interests as you. And in that context, you could find yourself getting involved in new activities or making a lot of new friends and new moving in new social groups as a result of some of these, these eclipses and transits. So the timeframes involved are the first pair of eclipses in, in those houses, the 5th and 11th, are in late April and mid-May. And the second pair of eclipses are in late October and early November. So that gives you the time frame where it will sort of open up 
these six-month windows of activity between those two houses or, or that sector of your chart, um, which is going to really put the, the spotlight this year on that axis and some of the topics associated with those houses. All right, so that is the eclipses. There's only one other transit that I meant to mention this year, which is the Mars retrograde in Gemini, which is happening towards the second half of the year, starting in August uh, when Mars ingresses into the sign of Gemini, which is your sixth house of work and health. But it really gets going and, and gets intense starting around October 30th when Mars slows down and stations retrograde in that sign. So here's Gemini, which is your sixth house of work and health. There's the Mars transit where it slows down and then it does like a U turn. So the transit kind of begins as soon as Mars goes into Gemini in August. Mars transits through the sixth house can indicate a period in which things become a lot busier at work and you find yourself having to spend a lot more hours working or um, you have some anxiety over like a major project that's due that you're working on that ends up taking a little bit longer or having delays and detours that force you to put in an extended or concerted effort over a much longer period of time than perhaps you expected at first. Um, it can also sometimes indicate running into some conflicts in the workplace or if you find yourself in a managerial position or you own your own company, there could be some tensions when it comes to people that work for you at that time in some sort of subordinate role. Uh, other possibilities for this transit, Mars transits through the sixth house can be health-related, uh, so that could be um, putting in more effort when it comes to your health and physical vitality. For example, starting a new workout re regimen in order to expend a lot of energy, like improving your physical health. That way you can ward off major health issues down the line. Um, the only thing there is you want to be careful because sometimes Mars transits through the sixth can force you to, to push yourself further than you should go beyond your limits. And that can sometimes, especially if you're just starting to work out, cause you to like have an accident or some sort of injury if you push yourself too hard too fast. So just try to pace yourself and Try to think about the long term, like the long game, rather than just like immediately having benefits as soon as you start. Mars retrograde transits are ones where Mars usually just zips through a sign of the zodiac in about a month, but here it's going to slow down and it's going to really take its time going back and forth across Gemini over like a six or seven month period. So it's it, the transit starts way back in August, it goes retrograde in late October. It's not going to station direct and get out of Gemini until the earlier part of 2023. So this is kind of a long transit and would be a good idea to pace yourself during the course of it. Um, all right. So I think that's it in terms of the major transits that I wanted to touch on this year and some of the potential themes that could come up. So as always, we're talking about really broad archetypes uh, when it comes to some of this stuff where there's a symbolic meaning, and then there's many different possible manifestations of that symbolism based on the unique placements in your birth chart as well as the context of your life. So um, this is something where I would just pay attention to these themes and see how they arise in your life at this time 
And once you've identified what the theme is and how it's manifesting, then you can look at the timing and know what the duration is and have some sort of idea for how long that transit is going to last and potentially what some of the more constructive uh, manifestations of it might be versus what some of the more challenging manifestations of that transit might be. But if you do that, then I think you should have a successful year of 2022. So good luck. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. So as always, this is just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, Additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own, which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast. So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over 100 hours of video lectures. Uh, It shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice. And it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, In the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 Electional Astrology Report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of electional astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. All right, so that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022, and may the stars be ever in your favor. All right, Aquarius, let's jump into your astrological transits for 2022. So here's a planetary movements calendar that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the year and how far through the signs of the zodiac they'll get by the end of the year. I wanted to first start by talking about the Venus retrograde transit in Capricorn which we start out the year with in your 12th house. So um, the 12th house is kind of a tricky house. It's typically one of the more challenging ones that has to do with traditionally things like enemies, um, ailments, sometimes loss, but also just themes of seclusion and isolation. So the Venus retrograde transit actually started out late last year in December of 2021, when it stationed retrograde conjoining Pluto. Uh, But this transit's going to extend all the way until early March because 
Uh, it's not until March that Venus will finally depart from Capricorn and move into Aquarius on March 6th. So that extends the operative period all the way until early March for the first couple of months of this year. So uh, here is your 12th house, Capricorn, and the planet Venus. So the 12th house having to do with loss and seclusion, and Venus being a social planet can sometimes just indicate a period of greater isolation where um, socially maybe you're more withdrawn or you're not able to form connections with people as much as you want um, just because this retrograde is happening in your 12th house. And that can be kind of difficult and be, can be kind of an intense um, introspective period in which you feel a little bit of tensions as a, as a result of some of those social disconnections because Pluto is the planet of intensity, of power, sometimes power struggles. One of the things you have to be careful about anytime there's a 12th house transit is the potential for accidentally getting into conflicts with like people that you don't get along with or potentially with enemies. So a Venus retrograde period could be related to that or creating an enemy out of somebody that used to be a friend or an enemy who used to be somebody that perhaps you had some sort of relationship with or a romantic relationship with. So Venus-Pluto conjunctions in particular are tricky because they sometimes represent like obsessions uh, in terms of romantic relationships or becoming fixated on something and perhaps becoming fixated a little bit too much. It's also a good period to go back and reflect on and think about ways in which potentially you've sort of undermined yourself in the past and ways that you could go back and look at some of those instances and figure out ways to improve yourself going forward. So there's often an introspective and a looking backward quality to Venus because sometimes um, the Venus retrograde periods repeat in the same spot in the zodiac roughly approximately every eight years. So in order to understand this Venus retrograde period, you can look back to the last time we had one like this in 2014, or eight years before that, or eight years before that, depending on how old you are. So some some challenges coming up in the sphere of sort of like relationships, um, the potential for people you don't get along with, or the potential for self-undoing, or just feeling more secluded and uh, more isolated than usual. So the pace of this and this focus will actually intensify a little bit later in January when the planet Mars moves into Capricorn on the 24th of that month, joining Venus. And not long after, later that week, Venus will actually station direct in Capricorn on January 29th. And then the two will be moving together and conjoining each other off and on in Capricorn um, all the way until early March, when eventually on March 6th, both Mars and Venus will depart from Capricorn. So Mars transits, I mean, Mars is going to bring some added focus and activity and quickness um, to some of these 12th house transits of Venus, but it also may bring in an element of um, conflict and discord and contentiousness when it comes to some of those 12th house uh, figures. So this may be a period in which you find yourself butting heads with somebody that you don't get along with. Um, be a little bit careful not to go overboard or to say something in the heat of the moment that you later regret, uh, because sometimes we can accidentally make 
long-term enemies out of people by saying something that seems appropriate in the heat of the moment, but then later in retrospect, you end up regretting or wish you had phrased differently so as to not create a larger issue out of a smaller one. Um, it can also be a period of addressing sometimes like health issues, if there's some acute issues that come up during this time, trying to address them in a decisive way, because decisiveness is usually a good constructive Mars signification that can be useful. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think of any other delineations that are important about the 12th house. I mean, it's it's usually just kind of a tricky house to deal with where some of the more challenging topics come up. But one of the more constructive ones is just um, sometimes the need to pull back socially from think from things for a little bit and have a greater period of isolation. And then eventually you'll you'll sort of emerge from that a little bit more refreshed and ready to um, embrace the world a little bit more than you were when you went into it at the beginning of this transit. So ultimately, it should be productive. All right, so moving on to the next transit I want to talk about is Jupiter has recently ingressed into Pisces and into your second house of finances, income, and possessions. So this is probably one of the more positive transits that you have this year um, because Jupiter is the planet of growth and expansion. And when it moves into a person's second house, usually that's a period of growth and expansion when it comes to a person's finances. So basically, this can be a pretty optimistic and a pretty helpful transit when it comes to increasing your financial income or having some sort of financial windfall over the course of the first four or five months of 2022. So this transit, um, it began actually in December when Jupiter moved into Pisces. There was a little bit of a preview of this transit between uh, May and June of last year, May, June, and July of last year of 2021, when Jupiter dipped into Pisces very briefly. So there may have been some sort of inkling of some of the themes that will come up for you financially during this time in terms of growth and expansion, but it really gets going in the first um, quarter or two of 2022. Eventually, Jupiter will retrograde back into Pisces very briefly again at the very end of 2022 between October 28th and December 2nd to sort of finish things off. But the real brunt of the transit is uh, from now, basically in early January through May 10th. Um, so, yeah, if there were any things, any projects that you had been thinking about doing or ideas that you had for expanding your income or creating a more stable financial base, this would be a good time to launch and really get into some of those ventures and undertakings because you might find it being much more successful financially during this period than you would at other times in your life. So the only thing to be a little bit careful about is that Jupiter is going to conjoin the planet Neptune in early April in your second house and Neptune can have kind of a illusory quality where on the one hand, there can be a lot of idealism. So you may have a lot of idealism surrounding like your financial outlook and things may look extremely optimistic at this point in time. However, um, sometimes Neptune can be a little bit deceptive. So you, whatever you do financially during this time or whatever sort of schemes or ventures you launch, 
try to maintain some sense of groundedness because you may have a tendency to get carried away and um, sometimes maybe even get involved in deals that look too good to be true. And sometimes when they look that way, they they sometimes turn out later to be too good to be true and not quite what you thought at first. So especially if any financial dealings during this time involve other parties or signing financial contracts, I'd be extremely careful about that, especially around the April 12th timeframe when that Jupiter-Neptune goes conjunction goes exact, just because the potential for um, things being a little bit misleading is heightened during that time. But as long as you do your best to try to stay somewhat grounded, um, I think you should be able to mitigate the worst worst sort of scenarios of that. And for most of you, it will work out as a relatively constructive and positive and optimistic transit uh, during the course of, of this year. All right, so that's one part of the Jupiter transit this year. The other Jupiter transit I wanted to talk about is Jupiter is going to move into Aries in May, and it's going to stay there for most of the second half of the year. So Aries for Aquarius rising is your third house of communication, short distance travel, education, um, as well as siblings, neighbors, and extended relatives such as aunts and uncles and cousins. So there's your third house right there. Jupiter is going to transit into that sign. Um, this can be a great period for um, growth and expansion when it comes to communication and basically expanding your life by learning how to communicate better and more effectively. So some people uh, start learning a language during this time. Other people start a blog or start writing a book or they join a new social networking site where they start learning how to write and learning how to express themselves more clearly and more effectively. Um, so if, if that's something you've been meaning to do, then this can be a great time to do that in which you'll find yourself um, achieving more success and recognition and notoriety for your communication than at other times in your life. Uh, it can also be a good time for short distance trips. It can be a good time for uh, building friendships, especially for with those that are local to you or are in your immediate vicinity or your neighborhood or your city. Uh, if you have any siblings, then this can be a good time um, in terms of your relationship with your siblings, or if there's been any rockiness in the past, it could be a good time to reconcile with them and sort of patch things up or smooth things over. Uh, it can also be a good period just in terms of your interaction with um, cousins or aunts and uncles or other things like that. In some instances with these transits, when we're talking about other people in different parts of your chart, it can just indicate that there's something positive happening in that person's life at that time, and we're just seeing an echo of it coming up in your chart, even if it's not impacting you directly. So it may be like a sibling has a sudden financial windfall or like wins the lottery or something like that. So it's something positive in their life that's being represented in your chart, but is not necessarily always directly tied in with something that affects you directly. So that's something to pay attention to and sort of be aware of when it comes to some of these, especially the positive transits through different houses other than the first house, since the first house is really the primary house that represents you in the chart. 
All right. So that's, again, one of the other probably most positive transits that you have going on this year is that Jupiter transit through your third house of communication, learning, travel, and siblings. The next transit I want to talk about is Saturn is now moving into the second half of its transit through the sign of Aquarius, which is your rising sign and your first house. So the first house is the house of self, of body, character, mind, and appearance. So Saturn transits through the first house can be kind of tricky because it's a period of consolidation and pulling back when it comes to some of those first house topics. So sometimes uh, Saturn transits through the first house as it relates to the physical body can be a period in which um, there's some sort of obstacle or difficulty that arises with respect to your physical health. And it can be a scenario where either an obstacle arises and you have to expend a great deal of energy and effort trying to push through that, but then eventually at the end of the transit, you kind of overcome it and um, gain some perspective on life or become better as a result of it. So there's other in, other scenarios where in some instances Saturn transits can be more like a stop sign where you suddenly realize the limitations of that you have more more vividly in terms of your body and physical vitality or in some instances since the first is also the place of the mind it can be in terms of your mind and your sort of uh, intellectual capabilities at that time. So this can be due to aging. Saturn transits, for example, can make the process of aging and make you realize how old you're getting can make that much more stark and realizing that you're entering into a new phase of your life and that your age is putting or imposing certain limitations on you um, that you didn't have to deal with earlier in your life. Uh, Saturn transits through the first can also relate to one's appearance and like changes in one's appearance. Sometimes these are not always like welcome things, but it can be like a major restructuring in terms of either your appearance or how you present yourself to the world. Since the first house is also the house of one's character, sometimes during this time you can have more of a severe or almost reclusive or maybe um sort of a, a period of feeling a little bit more down or depressed in some way, because Saturn transits can tend to be kind of slow and kind of heavy. So over the past year, since uh, it, from December of 2020 through most of 2021, we had Jupiter transiting through Aquarius and kind of balancing things out a little bit so that some of the more depressive tendencies of Saturn were balanced out by the more optimistic tendencies of Jupiter. And that was kind of helping us out a little bit off and on for most of 2021. But now that Jupiter has uh, departed from Aquarius and moved into Pisces, Jupiter's no longer balancing Saturn out. So some of the more um, cold and slow tendencies of Saturn are going to be impressing itself on your mind and body with a little bit less reserve than before. So the good news is that because this is a transit that's been happening off and on starting around March or April of 2020, and then definitely since December of 2020, most of the themes associated with this are probably things that you're already, you've already been dealing with and you're already familiar with, so it shouldn't really be anything new, but instead it's moving into the second half of an ongoing phase or an ongoing process that you've been wrestling with in terms of first house topics over the past year or two. 
and sort of eventually hopefully bringing that to completion because this is really the last year of the Saturn transit since Saturn is going to depart from Aquarius and move into Pisces in March of 2023. So really it's just 2022 when we're dealing with the rest of this Saturn transit through Aquarius. So I did want to mention that Mars is going to conjoin Saturn in early April in the sign of Aquarius, and this could bring up some of the issues that you've already been dealing with in terms of this long-term Saturn transit and make them a little bit more pressing or make some things a little bit more acute during that time period so that it sort of forces you to address them more quickly than you may have been up to this point. So the transit begins on March 6th when Mars moves into Aquarius and into your first house, where it's going to build up to the conjunction with Saturn, which it will eventually complete on April 4th and 5th, and then eventually the transit will be over uh, the following month, just a little bit over a month later, on April 14th when Mars moves into the sign of Pisces and departs from your rising sign. So this is Mars going into your first house. So first house transits can be periods of Mars specifically can be periods in which you find yourself expending a lot of additional energy and working a lot harder for a period of time. Like there may be a project that requires a concerted effort over the course of that month or that month and a half where you have to push yourself further um, than you might normally go otherwise. And that can be okay if you've got a specific thing that you have to get done. So one of the things that's tricky about Mars-Saturn conjunctions, though, is they can give you extremes of hot and cold or fast and slow so that you're going to feel like you're being pulled in two different directions at the same time, which can cause a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety in some instances, either uh, physically in terms of your physical body and just like extra stress on your physical body at this time, or alternatively, it could be mentally in terms of just your mental state at this time and ex experiencing a greater amount of internal stress and anxiety. So I would just um, try to be moderate to whatever extent you can. Try to be careful. Um, for those of you with day charts, especially Mars transits through the first house can cause you to be a little bit more irritable, a little bit more angry, and a little bit more quick to be impulsive. But sometimes when we do things impulsively, that can um, cause us to get into accidents or have injuries uh, doing something that if we had thought things out or been a little bit more careful, we might have avoided. So that might be something to be a little bit careful about, both short-term sort of accidents and injuries with that Mars transit through the first house conjoining Saturn, as well as perhaps it just bringing up some of the long-term Saturn issues you've been dealing with for the past year or two and forcing you to confront them and act more decisively in order to improve your physical and mental health. So that's part of what's going on this year. Also relevant to that in the overall Saturn transit is that Saturn is still squaring Uranus off and on this year, especially in the third quarter. It's going to peak again between September and October. So uh, the Saturn-Uranus transit was one of our major signature transits of 2021, where we had three exact squares between Saturn and Uranus, the last one of which went exact towards the end of December of 2021. 
But as we can see in this graph from Archetypal Explorer, there's going to be one more very close square where it doesn't go exact, but it gets within a degree between September and October. So this is a square between Saturn, which is in your first house of mind, body, character, and appearance, and Uranus, which is transiting your fourth house of home, family, and private life. So there's Uranus, there's Saturn. Uranus has been moving through your fourth house of home and family for the past few years since around 2018, and Uranus can represent major changes and fluctuations and unexpected um, circumstances happening with your home and living situation, or in some instances with respect to your parents. And somehow there's some tensions that are going on between uh, some of those fourth house transits in terms of your home or your family and your first house of mind, body, and self. So some of these are, again, just like pulling you in different directions between having to focus on first house matters pertaining to your health, your body, or your mind, and your fourth house of your home, living situation, and your parents. So some of this is like an ongoing series of events or series of changes that you've already experienced most of 2021, and we're just going to be kind of wrapping it up in the third quarter of 2022. But I wanted to mention it because even though it's wrapping up, because there's something that intensifies the Uranus transit this year, because we're starting to have eclipses in the sign of Taurus, where Uranus is transiting in your fourth house, as well as eclipses in Scorpio, which is your 10th house of career, reputation, and overall life direction. So let's talk about the eclipses. So the eclipses are going to happen in those two signs starting in, in late April and early May, and then again in late October and early November. And my keywords for eclipses are that eclipses signify great beginnings and great endings. So for you, major beginnings and major endings in the sphere of home and family and private life, as well as in the sphere of career, reputation, and overall life direction. So for some people with fourth house eclipses, this can indicate um, getting a new living situation or moving to a new location, having some sort of major development when it comes to your home and living situation that either represents a major ending or a major beginning. In some instances, since the fourth house also represents your family and your parents, it can be either something about a new chapter when it comes to uh, your relationship with your parents, or something significant happening in, happening in your parents' life that is sort of being echoed in your life, but that represents a major beginning or major ending for them. In terms of the 10th house eclipses, sometimes this can represent um, starting a major new job or major new career venture or beginning a major new chapter in terms of your career and overall life direction. Like maybe you've hit a new uh, peak period or a new major point in your life in terms of achieving some sort of uh, recognition or accomplishing some sort of goal that you set out to do a long time ago. So that's the sort of major, that can be like the culmination or the ending part once you reach the sort of pinnacle of some sort of upward climb that you initiated many years ago. 
In other instances, sometimes when eclipse happens in the tenth house, it can also represent an ending. So in some instances, you have to um, when something's reaching the end of its life cycle, you've got to wrap things up and sort of wind things down when it comes to one career. That way, you can um, move forward into whatever the next chapter of your life is. So ultimately, major endings and major beginnings in home and family and career and overall life direction. And that's probably one of the most important signature transits that are happening this year. But it's really um, it's going to amp up some of the Uranus stuff in your fourth house, and it's also going to be tied in with some of the Saturn stuff going on in your first house. So important to pay attention to. All right, one last transit I wanted to touch on is the Mars retrograde that's going to happen in the sign of Gemini, which is your fifth house. The fifth house is the house that has to do with um, children, creativity, and um, just artistic matters, but also things having to do with uh, pleasure, what you do for fun, but also sex and sexuality. So the Mars retrograde is going to take place in this house. It's going to begin in August when Mars first moves into the sign of Gemini around August 20th. And then it's going to begin building up to the retrograde and it's going to already activate some of those fifth house topics. But then eventually there's going to be a sudden intensification of things around October 30th when Mars slows down in the sky and does a U-turn, sort of stops in the middle of the zodiac and then begins moving backwards or walking backwards to earlier parts of Gemini that it already moved through. So Mars transits through the fifth house. On the one hand, it could just be a period in which you're putting in more work or you're putting in a lot more effort towards fifth house topics. So this could be if you have children, for example, you could have to put in a lot more work towards raising your children for some reason or putting a lot more effort and focus on what's going on in their life. Um, for some people, their children might be going through like a tumultuous period, so you could have some tensions or some uh, like anxiety surrounding your children during this time for some reason. Maybe they have something important going on that's causing stress for you in your life or stress in your relationship with them. Another possible area when it comes to Mars retrograde in the fifth house can be uh, conflicts surrounding creative matters. Maybe you've put something out creatively into the world, but it gets critiqued in a way that's like challenging or somebody challenges you about something that you've created at that time and you have to like defend it or fight for it in some way. Fighting is a classic Mars signification. And then finally, in terms of sex and sexuality, you can find Mars retrogrades being a period in which um, you find yourself being a lot more sexual or you find yourself in a relationship that's requiring a lot more energy and output on your part in order to maintain that sort of romantic relationship. Um, it can also be a period in which there can be some sort of conflict or discord or some sort of issue that arises that you have to work through that relates to sex and sexuality. And um, for some of you, that's going to be more constructive, especially if you have night charts. For those of you with day charts, it could be more of like a some sort of conflict or some sort of falling out with a lover or something like that that you might want to be careful about, especially if there's any ways that you could um, mitigate it by not doing something or saying something impulsive in the heat of the moment that perhaps you end up regretting later on. So I think that's the major transit. So that that retrograde, it's actually going to go into the early part of 2023. So we're just getting the first part 
part of it in 2022, and then it'll wrap up in the early months of 2023. So that's something that carries forward into next year. Um, and since this is a forecast for 2022, I don't want to go into that too much uh, because this is already long enough. So let me see if there's anything else I meant to mention, but I think I went through all of my major graphs. I showed the Venus retrograde conjunct Pluto, the Jupiter-Neptune, the Mars-Saturn. Uh, so I think that's it. So uh, thanks for Thanks for watching this forecast. Good luck in 2022, and I'll see you again in 2023. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. So as always, this was just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own, which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast. So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over 100 hours of video lectures. Uh, it shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice. And it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, in the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 Electional Astrology Report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of electional astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. All right, so that, that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022, and may the stars be ever in your favor. All right, Pisces, let's jump into it and look at your transits for 2022. So here's a planetary movements calendar that shows where the planets will start at the beginning of the year and how far through the signs of the zodiac they'll get by the end of the year. I want to start by first talking about the Venus retrograde transit in Capricorn in your 11th house of friends and groups and alliances. So this is a transit that actually began late last year in December of 2021 when Venus stationed retrograde in Capricorn conjunct Pluto in your 11th house. But it's a transit that's going to be ongoing um, all the way through March because it's not until March when 
Venus eventually will depart from Capricorn and leave your 11th house on March 6th. So the 11th house has to do with friends, groups, alliances, as well as hopes and wishes for the future. And Venus stationed retrograde conjunct the planet Pluto, which can be kind of an intense energy in your 11th house of friends and groups. So Venus retrograde in general can sometimes cause us to review and revise our social contracts. There can be some sort of important turning point when it comes to friendships. Maybe there's a friendship where things get a little bit rocky for a period of time and you have to like work things out with a friend. In some instances, there can be old friends that come back into your life for some reason. You want to be a little bit careful with this transit because the first part of it looks a little tricky with Venus conjoining Pluto and sometimes like very intense relationships with friends or, or relationships with friends becoming more intense. And sometimes Pluto transits have to do with dynamics of power plays and control and even sometimes manipulation. So you want to be careful about some of those themes. Um, overall, for some of you, especially those with night charts, though, I think it's going to be a largely positive transit where you could make a new friend, have an old friend come back into your life, or otherwise just have a good time with friends or revise some of the social contracts that you have with them in a positive way. Now, there is going to be a little bit of an intensification of this transit in late January, not just because that's when Venus stations direct on the 29th, but also Mars is going to move into the sign of Capricorn on January 24th, where it's going to join Venus, and it's also going to be activating your 11th house of friendship. So for some of you, that could be a little bit tricky, especially those of you with day charts when Mars moves into your 11th house, because Mars, um, sometimes it just quickens the pace of events and makes things move faster and makes you put more work into that area of life that it's transiting. So it could mean you have to help out a friend and do more work with friends, or if you're involved in community organizing efforts or, or social groups that you have to put more work into and find that your energy output, that things are sort of more laborious in this area than at other times in your life um, on the more constructive end of the, end of the spectrum. On the more challenging end of the spectrum, sometimes, especially for those of you with day charts, there could be issues involving uh, conflict or anxiety or stress or even uh, severing or separation between friends or between your social groups at this time um, are pretty common Mars transits through the 11th house. So one of the things that's probably true, whether it's constructive or destructive, is that you might found your, may find yourself in a situation where you have to take decisive action when it comes to your friends at this time, and in some instances decide whether you're going to stay in certain friendships or whether certain friendships have outgrown their life cycle in your, your life, and you have to cut certain people out of your life if they're not, no longer healthy or supportive relationships for you. So that's going to last until about March 6th, where both Venus and Mars will simultaneously de depart from that sign and move out of your 11th house of friendship. So the next transit I wanted to talk about to move to a more positive one is the Jupiter transit through Pisces, where Jupiter recently moved into your rising sign and into your first house of mind, body, self, character, and appearance. 
So Jupiter went into Pisces at the very end of 2021, and this is a pretty positive transit in terms of growth, expansion, and optimism when it comes to your chart in general, so that themes of growth and optimism should be much more prominent in the entire first four months of this year that Jupiter is going to be transiting through the sign of Pisces all the way until May 10th. And then eventually it'll actually come back a little bit at the end of the year from October 28th through December 20th, when Jupiter retrogrades back into the end of Pisces before departing permanently for the next 12 years. So this is a once in every 12 year transit of just luck, growth, expansion, and also just optimism in general. It's going to be especially more positive for those of you with day charts, but still somewhat positive and constructive even if you're born with a night chart. Uh, themes for this, uh, the first house has to do with the mind and the character. So sometimes it can be about growing and developing new character traits, or if you have latent qualities or talents that you've always meant to develop, this can be a great time to really draw some of those things out of yourself and to improve yourself mentally as well as physically. So the first house also has to do with the physical body, and that can be a great period in order to, if there's something that you wanted to improve about your physical body, to work on improving that or trying new things. Starting a new diet and exercise regime can be successful at this time. Um, if there's some health issues that you've had issues with in the past, a first house Jupiter transit can sometimes be helpful in terms of having a period of more positive health, or at least seeking help from somebody or seeking advice from a doctor or other medical practitioner of some sort in order to improve, improve your physical health, that could be more successful at this time. The only thing you want to be a little bit careful about is Jupiter is going to conjoin the planet Neptune in early April as it's moving its way through Pisces. So this is part of a longer-term Neptune transit that you've been dealing with for quite a while at this point of Neptune moving through your first house. And Neptune is the planet of illusions, idealism, but also sometimes um, deception can be a theme when it comes to, to Neptune. So Jupiter meeting up with Neptune can just um, give you a much more boundless sense of possibilities and of optimism. So it can be a very positive and optimistic time in your life, especially when that conjunction goes exact around April 12th. But one of the things that's going to be important is just trying to maintain some sense of reality and stay a little bit grounded during this transit, because you're going to have a tendency to perhaps be a little bit swept away by some of the positive and optimistic things that are happening um, which is good, and it's okay to enjoy that stuff and, and sort of take advantage of it while it's happening. But I would just say, don't go too far and try to keep one foot on the ground, because you may have a tendency to get a little bit swept away by broader ideas or philosophies or even like spiritual practices and philosophies that could seem really good at first, but once you come out the other side of this transit, you may look back on it and feel like you're being a little bit more idealistic than you could have been during this time, because there's some things that look good at first, but aren't necessarily all they were cracked up to be. So this is still going to be a positive transit. I don't want to be a downer too much, but I just want to give you urge a little bit of caution, a little bit of realism not to get too carried away when it comes to some of the Neptune themes, especially around the middle part of April.
All right. So after that, the other positive transit that we have coming up this year is that Jupiter is going to move into Aries on May 10th, which is your second house of finances, income, and possessions. So this should be a period of growth and expansion when it comes to your financial income and your ability to make money. For some people, this can be indicating a sudden financial windfall. For others, it's just hitting a stride in terms of their income and finances or finding new avenues in order to make money, like new income streams can start at this time. So growth and expansion when it comes to money, finances, and possessions. So the time frame for this transit is it begins on May 10th and it goes through most of the second half of the year all the way until October 28th. Then eventually it's going to come back December 20th and last all the way until May of 2023. So this is a two-part transit and we're going to get the first half of it this year uh, and the second half of it next year. But my primary piece of advice for this transit would just be to think about um, ways in which you you would like to improve your financial situation in general, um, new projects that you'd like to initiate or that you've thought about initiating that could be good for increasing your income that you haven't started yet in the past, this could be a great time to launch some of those projects while Jupiter is transiting through your second house, just because the potential for success in financial matters is usually heightened during a transit like this. So you're more likely to achieve success than at other times in your life if you do initiate uh, uh, new ventures at this time. So take advantage of this once in every 12-year transit that's happening during most of 2022. All right, so moving on to the next transit, I wanted to talk about Saturn, which is moving through Aquarius. Um, it's going through the second half of Aquarius and finishing up the second half of its transit through your 12th house. So the 12th house is kind of a tricky house. It can have to do with things like enemies and running into conflicts or having obstacles or setbacks from people that you don't get along with very well. Saturn in the 12th can sometimes have to do with um, long-term dealing with long-term health issues and finding ways to get around some of the challenges that are raised by those things. It can also have to do with issues of loss or endings, so bringing things to completion and feeling sometimes a greater sense of isolation as we have Saturn coming through, going through our 12th house. And then finally, um, topics having to do with places of seclusion. So places of seclusion can be things like hospitals or libraries or mon monasteries, basically places that are a little bit outside of society where you find more of an internal sense of power as a result of being alone or being by yourself can sometimes be a theme when it comes to Saturn transits through the 12th house. So the good news is that for most of you, because this transit initially began back in March of 2022, and then it really got going in December, or sorry, March of 2020, and it really got going in December of 2020, most of the themes associated with this transit have already been going on in your life for the past year or two. So this is not new information, or this shouldn't be new stuff that's coming up now, but rather it's part of some ongoing things that you've been working through over the past couple of years. So what we're talking about here in 2022 then 
is the continuation of some of those themes and then eventually wrap, wrapping them up and bringing them to completion before Saturn eventually departs from Aquarius and moves into Pisces in 2023 and completes that 12th house transit. So one of the things to perhaps think about, um, actually, let's talk about the Mars transit because that's going to make some of that more acute. So one of the things I wanted to bring up is that I mentioned how Mars is going into Aquarius on March 6th when it departs from Capricorn. So that's going to be the start of a buildup to a Mars-Saturn conjunction that's actually going to take place in the sign of Aquarius April 4th and April 5th. But it really starts as soon as Mars moves into Aquarius on March 6th, and it lasts all the way until April 14th when Mars moves into Pisces. So this is going to bring up a period in which some of those 12th house uh, themes that I was just talking about with Saturn going through your 12th house may become more acute and may become more pressing. So especially um, Mars can sometimes bring up themes having to do with conflict or um, discord or fighting. And in the 12th house, that sometimes has to do with getting in conflicts with people that we don't get along with for different reasons in our life. So sometimes in traditional texts, this can be outright like enemies or people that undermine you for some reason. So this Mars transit could be a period in which you're feeling greater tensions in your life where you're being pulled in two different directions as a result of having to deal with um, enemies or people that are trying to undermine you and sometimes needing to stand up for yourself or do what you can in order to fight back. But as a result of that, it can feel like a period of tension where you're being pulled in different directions with feelings of like hot and cold or fast and slow, so that it can be very difficult to maintain equilibrium and moderation during this time. But that's something that you should shoot for. Um, in particular, if you get into some sort of conflicts during this time uh, with enemies or with people that you don't get along with, try to be careful not to go overboard or go too far, because sometimes Mars has a tendency to get um, impulsive and say things in the heat of the moment that can make things worse, or they can kind of throw gasoline on the fire of something that would have just been a small flame to begin with. But by saying things that you you sort of impulsively that were a little bit worse than they could have been, you can make things a lot bigger so that they can get a little bit out of control. So I would pay attention to that during the course of that Mars transit in March and April. All right. Um, other things I want to touch base on and talk about here. Saturn is going to continue to square Uranus during the course of 2022, especially between September through October. And Uranus is transiting through your third house of communication, short distance travel, uh, siblings, and neighbors or extended relatives. So this is again a transit that primarily we experienced at three points during the course of 2021, where there were three exact squares of Saturn and Uranus. However, as we can see from this graph from Archetypal Explorer, um, that Saturn-Uranus square is going to come back in the third quarter of 2022, and it's going to get very close to exact, so that it, for all intents and purposes, it's basically, basically going to become operative again in September and October. So. Uranus has been transiting for the past few years since 2018, your third house of communication, which can sometimes indicate uh, major 
changes and major unexpected disruptions or changes, sometimes very radical ones, in terms of how you communicate and how you express your internal thoughts to the world. So sometimes this can involve um, changes in terms of new types of technology that you're using to communicate or new modes of communication that can be new and kind of innovative and kind of exciting to you for some reason. Uh, sometimes these Uranus transits can indicate disruptions and unexpected volatility when it comes to our relationship with our siblings, our neighbors, or our extended family and relatives like aunts, uncles, or cousins. Um, so for some reason, there's tensions here between your third house of those topics and your twelfth house of um, people that you don't get along with. So it could be that um, there's some tensions between some of these major changes that have been taking place in the third house with like siblings, relatives, your neighborhood, your um, relatives and things like that. And that could be causing you to not get along with some of those people in your life so that they get moved over into the 12th house category of like people either that you're not getting along with or that are somehow undermining you in some way so that it's creating tension for you psychologically and the need to sort of stand up for yourself and push back against those things in order to create balance in your life. So one other possible uh, thing that could come up with this is the 12th house can sometimes be the house of self-undoing, where we accidentally undermine ourselves um, through sort of not realizing it, basically. And since the third house is the house of communication, it could be that some of the tension here has been an ongoing theme of undermining yourself by communicating through some of these new methods that you may not not be used to, to using very much because they're new and innovative means of communication. So be careful how you communicate so that you don't undermine yourself or create unnecessary enemies, especially in the third quarter of this year. So that's going to take us into the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is the eclipses that are actually taking place in Taurus and Scorpio, since that's going to expand on some of the third house themes that I was just talking about. So we're going to have two sets, two pairs of eclipses happening this year. The first set of eclipses is going to take place in late April and early May, and the second set of eclipses in the same signs is going to take place in late October and early November. So this is going to take place in your third house of communications, short distance travel, uh, siblings and other relatives like in your like neighbors and things like that. But also, it's going to take place in your ninth house of travel, education, religion, philosophy, your belief system, but also your exposure to foreign cultures and foreign people or people that are from backgrounds that are radically different than your own. So, my keyword for eclipses is that they tend to represent major beginnings and major endings with respect to the topics of the houses that they fall in. So with some of the third house eclipses that may indicate major beginnings and major endings when it comes to communication, how you communicate, what your communication style is, but also potentially education. So third and ninth house both have to do with education and learning new things. So it could be either wrapping up a major educational program that you've been working on for quite a while now and bringing it to completion. Or it could be initiating a new um, thing that you're learning and a new object of study that suddenly becomes your focus during this time and takes up a lot of energy and attention. 
So the third house can also have to do with travel. Both third house is short distance travel and the ninth house is long distance travel. That can be kind of tricky when it comes to COVID, but sometimes there can still be major beginnings and endings when it comes to travel. Um, the ninth house is the third house also relates to siblings, so there may be some major events that are happening in the lives of your siblings or other third house uh, people that marks a major beginning or ending for them. Somehow, sometimes this is just things happening in their life that is independent of you, like you know having a sudden major change or having a sudden windfall or something like that or a sudden ending. So sometimes it doesn't have to necessarily directly relate to your life. While in other instances, it can sometimes relate to your relationship with that person entering a new phase and either having some sort of major beginning or some sort of major ending. So all of that looks good, but it does seem like it will amp up some of the Uranus um, sudden rebelliousness or major radical changes and sort of revolutions in the third house sector of your life because some of those eclipses will be closely conjunct Uranus during the course of this year. So that's definitely something to pay attention to. All right, um, so that's eclipses. There's just one other uh, transit I meant to mention during the course of this forecast, which is the Mars retrograde in Gemini in your fourth house of your home, family, and living situation and private life, which is going to take up and, and be active at different points during the second half of 2022. So Mars is going to ingress into your fourth house of home and family and living situation in August, on August 20th. And that will be the beginning of this transit where, where some of the themes will start to build up at that point. But then it'll eventually reach a sort of crescendo or there will be an important turning point around October 30th when Mars slows down and stations retrograde in your fourth house. So here's your fourth house, and there's Mars where it will do. It'll be moving forward in Gemini, and then suddenly it'll slow down and do sort of like a U-turn and start moving backwards. So um, Mars transits through our fourth house. Sometimes it may just be like working extra hard at home. Maybe you have a construction project at home where there's something that forces you to put in a lot of hours and a lot of work. Um, maybe it has to do with your parents and maybe taking care of your parents or something about your relationship with your parents that's taking a lot more effort on your part than at other times in your life. Um, sometimes we have to be careful because Mars can indicate some amount of like strife or discord in the part of our life that it's transiting. So there could be some problems at home. Um, there could be some sort of um, sort of like accidents or things like that. Like I know. Mars, for example, transits can sometimes coincide with things like fires or other. That's more of like a worst case scenario. But just in terms of um, Mars transits at home, can sometimes just indicate discord in the home or the living environment. So sometimes Mars is also about severing and separation. So it could be needing to leave your home for some reason and move into a different one due to some event that happens or some scenario that comes up that forces some sort of separation from that place. Um, alternatively, if it's something that has to do with your parents, the relationship with your parents could be a little bit more tense during this time, and there could be some fighting or some discord with them, either due to something that's happening independently in their life or due to something that is directly related to your relationship and your interactions with them. So it would be a good idea to be extra careful in terms of how you 
relate to them during this time. Um, of course, if you need to stand up for yourself or do something decisive in terms of your relationship with them, then sometimes that can be necessary, even if it's somewhat temporarily unpleasant. But um, in some instances, if a fight comes up, you might want to be a little bit careful because you might be more prone to going overboard and saying things in the heat of the moment that you later regret during this time. And this could cause a larger uh, spat or a larger separation between you and your family than it might seem at first. So just try to exercise some level of moderation and some level of restraint or caution when it comes to your interactions with them. So that the first like half of that transit's going to happen in 2022 and the second half of 2022, but that transit's actually going to continue on into early 2023 and doesn't wrap up until the first few months of 2023. So it's going to be part of an ongoing story that's not going to be resolved fully until early next year. So as a result of that, I think I'll save the rest of that delineation for next time. All right, so I think that was it. I think that was all the stuff that I meant to mention and all the graphs that I wanted to show for the purpose of this forecast. So thanks a lot for watching. Good luck in 2022, and I'll see you again next year in 2023. All right, that's it for this horoscope forecast for 2022. So as always, this was just a general forecast that focuses on some of the broad outlines of the year ahead. So if you'd like a more detailed analysis of some of the general transits this year, then be sure to check out our year ahead forecast for 2022 that we released in December. Uh, additionally, for a more detailed analysis of your chart, you might want to get a consultation with an astrologer because they can look at it in much more detail than I can go into here in just a general horoscope. Alternatively, or better yet, you could also learn how to read your birth chart and transits on your own, which would allow you to pinpoint some of the dates involved with much more precision and exactness. So if you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then you can get a copy of my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune. And in this book, I reconstructed the original system of Western astrology and recovered some techniques that we had lost uh, many centuries ago. So with this book, I sort of teach you how to read a birth chart and how to use different timing techniques in order to determine when different things will happen during the course of your life, or in some instances during the course of a single year, as I've attempted to do in this horoscope forecast. So the book is available on Amazon as well as in other fine bookstores everywhere. I also teach an online course on ancient astrology, which has over 100 hours of video lectures. Uh, it shows hundreds of different example charts in order to show you how the different techniques work in practice. And it really gets into details that I couldn't go into as much in my book, even though the book is very big. Uh, in the course, I actually get into a lot more example charts, which really gives you better hands-on experience of how to use astrology to read birth charts in practice. So you can find out more information about that at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, I also recently released my 2022 Electional Astrology Report, where I went through the year and I picked out some of the most auspicious or lucky dates uh, with one lucky date or electional chart for each of the next 12 months. So these are useful for starting different types of ventures and undertakings using the principles of electional astrology. The report is also available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. 
All right. So that that's it. So thanks for watching. Good luck in 2022 and may the stars be ever in your favor. Special thanks to all the patrons that supported the production of this episode of the podcast through our page on patreon.com. In particular, thanks to the patrons on our producers tier, including Thomas Miller, Catherine Conroy, Christy Moe, Ariana Amour, Mandy Ray, Angelique Nambo, Sumo Kopic, Issa Sabah, Jake Otero, Morgan McKinsey, and Kristen Otero. If you like the work that I'm doing here on the podcast and you would like to find a way to support it, then please consider becoming a patron through my page on patreon.com. And in exchange, you'll get access to bonus content such as early access to new episodes, the ability to attend the live recording of the month ahead forecast each month, access to a private monthly auspicious elections report that we put out each month, access to exclusive episodes that are only available for patrons, or you can also get your name listed in the credits at the end of each episode. For more information, go to patreon.com slash astrologypodcast. The main software we use here on the podcast to look at astrological charts is called Solar Fire for Windows, which is available at alabe.com, and you can use the promo code AP15 to get a 15% discount. For Mac users, we use a similar set of software by the same programming team called AstroGold for Mac OS, which is available from astrogold.io, and you can use the promo code ASTROPODCAST15 to get a 15% discount on that as well. Also, special thanks to our sponsors, including the Mountain Astrologer magazine, which is available at mountainastrologer.com, the Honeycomb Collective Personal Astrological Almanacs, available at honeycomb.co, and the Astrogold Astrology app, which is available for both iPhone and Android at astrogold.io. There are also two major astrology conferences happening this year. The first is the Northwest Astrological Conference, happening May 26th through the 30th, 2022, near Seattle, Washington. Find out more information at norwac.net. And the second is the International Society for Astrological Research Conference, which is taking place August 25th through the 29th, 2022, in Westminster, Colorado. And you can find out more information about that at isar2022.org.